Welcome to E Society Podcast. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Nez back, E Society Podcast, episode 274. Uh, Zeke's is not here tonight. That's why you didn't get his uh, big intro, and I can't I don't remember, can't memorize all that stuff that he says. But um, yeah, we do this, this, and that. Uh, yeah, he'll read it all next time. I don't know if he reads it. I think he just does it off the top of his head, but I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, uh, over the weekend, um, oh, well, before getting anything, Mike's here with us. So you guys know me, love him. <laughs> uh, we just did uh, two nights. I don't know if you went back today, but for the uh, L.A. Skins Fest down in Hollywood, California at the TCL Chinese theater. What does TCL stand for? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea, but yeah, it's in Hollywood. And uh, those of you not familiar, uh, LA Skins Fest is like the Native American version of the Sundance Film Festival. It's like the biggest Native film festival in the country. And uh, they, they screened one of my films. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was the 16th annual LA skins fest. Um, there was a lot to take in other than just being in Hollywood and everything. I go there when I go there, but when I do go there, I like to see this and see that you went to some opening things that I didn't go. I I didn't get there until Friday, everyone, but what's the stuff that, uh, you and, Dr. Marin uh, went and seen. <laughs> well, on um, the Thursday before we went, no, no, uh, it was Tuesday. Tuesday before, uh, last Tuesday, we went to um, Sony Pictures Studios out here in Culver City for the opening night mixer for Skins Fest. And it was cool, man. I'd never uh, been in that uh, in that studio. We got to go into the, uh, rest in peace, we got to go into the John Singleton Theater and watch the uh, trailer for Skins Fest, the opening trailer that kicked off the festival. And it was really cool because, well, they chefed up. They, they fed us some really good uh, uh, Pan-Asian food. And drinks were free, uh, which, of course, you know, I, I, <laughs> I indulged on the diet pop. And um, it, was, it was cool because I got to see uh, a lot of the – other artists, a lot of the other filmmakers that I met over Zoom over early days of the pandemic because uh, couldn't go anywhere. So uh, shout out to my boy, uh, Haskell alum and uh, a Native Vision Media Maker uh, frontman, Charlie Perry. Shout out to you because he's the one. And oh, also shout out to uh, Canada's own um, Roger Boyer. Uh, both those brothers, man, they got a lot of filmmakers together to do Zoom chats with each other so we didn't go crazy. We just kicked around ideas and 
through that, I got to meet a lot of dope filmmakers that I actually finally got to meet in person. And it was so cool. I mean, we did, we, we, the, the stuff we talked about was gold. I mean, when the pictures we took, um, shout out to the haters out there that were commenting on the picture. F you, <laughs> uh, because, um, I'm sorry, we didn't see you at skins fest. Fuckers. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was cool. And then, uh, Thursday night, uh, was the, um, was the opening night reception. And that was at Yahoo, the Yahoo headquarters out here in Playa, uh, Playa Vista in, uh, Playa Vista area, Los Angeles. And that was cool. And again, they chefed it up. I got to meet a lot more, a lot more filmmakers there. Uh, met a really cool musician named Alexa, who is her, she gave Nez and I, um, CDs of her, of her music. And it's just, Man, it was so fun just meeting all these people and talking about our work and talking about other things and just just being native artists all in one spot once again, man. It was it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get there until Friday, everybody. And uh yeah, we we went to there was, there was a lot going on. I mean, I wish I could have watched everything. But um, Friday night was the opening night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I think we. You did. You got to. Yeah, we kicked it off uh, there. We got there a little bit late, but because um, we had to go uh, stuff our faces on the boulevard. But uh, shout out to uh, to Darth Vader, uh, Chunky Spider Man, and uh, Iron Man for uh, <laughs> shouting out to us. We walked by them. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was cool, man. And we, we, we got to the theater and, um, uh, shout out to Nicole, LA skins fest liaison for hooking Nez up with, uh, with, uh, my wife's, uh, pass that first yep. night is cause she was at home grading papers and, um, it was cool. We just filled up in the theater, <laughs> ran up and down the stairs looking for which theater it was in, but oh. <laughs> man, Man, I, I, I shit you guys not, man. I I did so much walking this weekend. Let me look at my pedometer or whatever the hell that thing's called. All right. Well, Friday, I guess I usually walk more than I usually walk. I did 3.5 miles. Saturday, I did five miles. And today, I did, barely did shit. mile and a half <laughs> walking around Costco and the airport. But, um, but yeah, man, I was... Yeah, we were huffing and puffing up and down those stairs uh, Friday night. Uh, plus, all we were walking around, we didn't stuff our faces. Um, we missed the first film. I think it was called ooh, Co or Cot Katanka Katanka Calling. Yeah, um, that one is a would-be couple have an instant connection. And live out the love story in two different timelines or two different or two different lifetimes. The environment around them will play a factor in their ability to connect. Yeah, we we missed that one completely. We came in right as that was ending and the next film started and that was L.A. I, for some reason, I thought it said Eli or something because it's <laughs> it's E-L-L-A-Y. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> L.A. is short about how ex how expensive it is to be poor. A day in the life of Andre Alvarez shows how difficult juggling multiple aspects of his life uh, 
aspects of his life can be. It depicts a uh, complexity of love and what it means to truly be for some to be there for someone, even when the payoff isn't what you expect. Um, yeah, that one, this one was pretty good. It, it was just about this uh, this young brother that was just trying to do his thing in L.A. and um, working at some restaurant. And then I didn't really I, the the marriage thing with, with his friend. Well, he there was, he had a I guess it was an ex that was working with him at this little cafe, and they were she was kind of going back and forth. But it seems like she was just bitter and, and wanted him back. But he was just like, yeah, I'm good. But he had another friend that he was that he ended up marrying. Was that like were they together? Because they didn't seem like they were. She, no, she she was with him before, but um, this for a green card before. thing or? Yeah, because then yeah, because she was undocumented, <laughs> and so he he married her. But just the idea around that was um, it was kind of a, a switch up because. Um, because <laughs> all the uh, all the roles that Mexicans usually play in society that you know, <laughs> the gardener, the elote guy, the guy that sells the fruit, uh, they're all played by white people. Yeah, well, I kind of tripped out on that. <laughs> so, but it was it was just a simple story of this cat that was just trying to make his way in L.A. He was in acting class also, and um, <laughs> he he just. You know the the actor is based or the 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 uh, acting coach is basically telling him that he wasn't putting enough emotion in his in his acting and all this, and then he just kind of walked out. But it was just about him trying to do the right thing, um, and I guess with, by him helping out his one homegirl, he just kind of felt conflicted about getting back with his his ex. And then it, it was it was an interesting film. I mean, I, I I we got to meet the director after his name was Cruz Castillo, and he was really cool. He was really cool. And um, I talked yeah, to his buddy at the at the party at the after party that night. Uh, oh. One little drug that drugged out looking fool. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to him real. He was standing by the bar, and I was standing. I talked to him for really quick, and he was cool. I I forgot what he said his name was, but. But yeah, L.A. I liked it. It was really, it was really good. Um, I have no idea where all these are screening. I assume after they do their festival runs and then they put them somewhere. Um, but yeah, definitely check out. Be on the lookout for uh, for L.A. Again, that's E L L A Y. All right, this next one. This was probably my favorite of the night. Uh, this is a film called Stripper. When a 13-year-old cricket walks past a local strip club with his friends, nothing can prepare him for who they see walking into work, his mom. With rumors starting to spread, cricket must take matters into his own hands to clear his mom's name and prove that she isn't a stripper. This film was awesome. Uh, go over and listen to the latest Magnus podcast, episode 137. I fucking I don't know everyone. Um, yeah, 137, 137. I just put it out. <laughs> so go over and listen to that. Uh, a young brother that was in this film, uh, Taven Bark. I, I did a quick little interview with him. Shout out to his mom. Uh, she was there and she joined in on the conversation. Yeah, dude, listening to that, I, I just after when I was putting it all together, I can hear you clearly in the background, and then. <laughs> Whatever they were doing to the speakers, I don't know. They were—I think they were just having issues with the sound. You can hear this, but it was like 
uh, a noise from the speaker, not somebody pounding on something. And um, but I was like, it was all right. I just I told the kid, I said, it's all right, man. Bad background noise. This is this is how we podcast. But uh, he was a cool little gentleman. Uh, I'm glad I got to talk to him again. Go over and listen to the latest Magnus podcast and uh, hear everything about that. But this film, uh, it was cool. It touched me more because of the, these little guys in northern or um, the North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, they're out over there on the Cherokee Res. And um, there's what was that? Yeah, South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, they were out there skating, doing their thing, being kids. I mean, just ripping it up in the streets and just being kids, vandalizing things in here. Hey, we all did that. Um, and then one day they see, yeah. one night they see uh, the cricket's mom walking into the, the local strip club. And then they then the rumors start. Hey, yeah, man, your mom's a stripper, and he doesn't want to believe it because he does see his mom comes home one night and she's like counting out all these ones, and she's all she's all dolled up. She's a beautiful woman. I can't remember the actress the actress name, but um, she got the big hoops on and looked like she had glitter on her. But I I don't I don't go into these places, uh, but I have. Shout out to Mike. And uh, Sam, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like almost 30 years ago, but whew, and that was fun. Anyway, um, so, yeah, this kid is just like his boys are, are talking shit to him. Tell how your mom's a stripper. Or, uh, my brother said he gave her a lap dance in the champagne room and shit like that. And then uh, skate, skateboarding in it, they're ripping. Uh, Taven was the one that was ripping it up in the in the bowl. Uh, they, they all they were all skateboarders because during the uh, the question and answer at the end, uh, I asked all those kids how long they've been skateboarding, and they all oh, a couple years and this and that. So it was good. They weren't just um, here. Here's a skateboard, ride it. <laughs> so, but uh, I like this one. I won't tell you how it ends, but it, it was it was quick and to the point. Who was this? Like twenty minutes, maybe? Yeah, it was about yeah. Yeah, because I when I when I was talking about it on the show, I I don't even remember. But uh, yeah, uh, Taven he gives some little in insight on uh, what they did during the production on my latest episode. So go over and listen to that. But yeah, this film was awesome. I loved it. Uh, again, my favorite out of the ones we saw, only because they're skateboarding. <laughs> but anyway, um, the next one, Commodity. This one was this one was cool. Commodity <laughs> Come Come is a modern Native American folktale about one man's trials and tribulations to get an Indian taco. <laughs> it started out like, oh man, this is it gonna be one of these? Because they, they were all drunk, and one dude was huffing um, a can of air, <laughs> that stuff you uh, clean your computer keyboards with. Forty. Yeah, laying there. <laughs> Laying there with the straw in his mouth, still a big old smile on his face. Yeah, and the other dude was walking around drunk. So I was kind of like, "Oh man!" I mean, it it it's truth. It's truthful that it is not everywhere, but uh, in some reses, yeah, or wherever these guys were, were taking place. And um, this young gentleman was just—I mean, he was drunk the whole time. But uh, he—I he, don't know what the, it was. I guess it was his friend. She was. Uh, Making uh, tacos, and he that went over his, there. It was his aunt. 
It was his aunt. He looked yeah. way older than her. <laughs> he was calling her auntie. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know what was up with that insane clown posse guy that came out of the back and stole the cheese. But <laughs> you know the um, you know the uh, the pueblo thing, the clowns, like the trickster. Yeah, that's who he was. Yeah, he came out and like he just, you know, he came out to to grab the cheese, the the big block of commodity cheese. And Ugh. I'll tell you, man, if you uh, if you never had commodity cheese, oh my god, you're lucky. Yeah, don't try it. Of being backed up. Yeah, Ugh. man. <laughs> Uh, I know some eat it. Um, I didn't like it. I mean, it made good grilled cheese. I remember that, but I couldn't just slice off a piece and eat it. I I, I, uh, I didn't like it. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, the insane clown posse guy came, came out of the back, stole the cheese, and that was uh, this young gentleman's uh, mission was to go get the cheese back so he can get an Indian taco. But it was cool. It was funny. Um, I liked it. This uh, next um it was some of it. It was mixed with animation, like there were animation overlays. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like uh, how Batman, how that, when they fought, had that boom, zap, zoom. It had things like that, and it was kind of and these other like little cartoon sound effects, like when you was trying to run. It had that little, you know, like when uh, Charlie Brown and them were trying to run, and that little <laughs> like uh, that little you know rattling bucket sound. <laughs> <laughs> It had stuff like that, and it was it was pretty cool, man. I mean, for what it was, it was it was funny. He kept us laughing, but yeah, man, it was. I I like that one too. This next one was cool. It was. It, I thought it was gonna be a little tearjerker, but um, it was called Seeds. Without parents to guide them, Loretta and Ravens re- reflect on the love their parents uh, modeled and grief for their of their loss while. One finds a Catharis in her mother's old VHS uh, camera, and the other struggles with a potential pregnancy. I figured that's what it was, uh, but they didn't really come out and say it. That one girl was in there throwing up in the toilet, but then she said she ate something bad. But when that one little girl goes and sees that one guy, and he, she goes, yeah, she's in there throwing up. He just had that, oh, fuck, look in his eyes. <laughs> but... Hey, man, that's life. But yeah, this this one the young little girl, she was just um, doing her thing, filming. She had a, a VHS uh, cam camcorder. If you guys remember those, uh, for you new uh, for you new listeners, you new jacks. If you don't know what that is, if you don't even know what a VHS tape is, look it up. But back in the day, I mean, everyone now's got these awesome little cameras, or at least phone cameras in their pocket, and you can film everything HD, 4K, what what have you. But back in our day, we had to have this big giant thing you had to stick on your shoulder and uh, carry around a film. That's what I liked about this little girl. She was uh, still hauling around trying to make a film uh, about her parents. And then her sister, yeah, dealing with her uh, her issues uh, and everything. But I really liked it because the end kind of put a little tear in my eye. We won't tell you what happened, but um, it was really good. And I, I, I would, I'm on the SkinFest, the LA SkinFest website, and there's not a list of these actors are that are in the film but i thought the main little girl even her little sidekick friend that popped in every now and then i yeah. thought she was funny but th- this one was a real little heartwarming story i liked it oh. this one i didn't get um it was called uh this was the last film of the night and this was the original shareholder experience 
The original shareholder experience is a short satire thriller set in a high elevation boardrooms of corporate conglomerate, the Freedom Company. Following true believer Rebecca, an indigenous uh, telepresenter nearing the top of her class through selling authentic Native memorabilia to her audience on her show, a mix between QVC, Mad Money, and the History Channel. Yeah, this one, this one seemed like a really bad acid trip. I mean, nothing against anyone acting in it or the director or or them making it, but I, I was to me. It was kind of confusing. Um, but yeah, there was a lot going on in this. Well, what would you think of this one? It was just the the simple interpretation of, of selling out, selling your culture, especially when you're, it's your culture and how far you'll go to, to make it to the top. For example, uh, uh, <laughs> this one agency I was, I was uh, registered with for casting, they were always sending me to uh, film shoots that were for beer commercials. Yeah. It was like, is it just because you see Native American and think I'm a, you know, you can dangle that Twinkie in front of me and I'm a jump at it. And I mean, I shit on November 2nd, this past year, I I made 30 years of sobriety. So, and there's no way I could do it. And plus with, uh, I got to look out for my, my own self-interest because I mean, with the current climate, you know, what if I did make it famous and I did do those beer commercials? There's going to be some jack off that says, oh, Mike, we're in talking about how he was sober. He did beer commercial, blah, 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 just because they're broke and begging and I'm up there living fat. Hey, I can't have that. But anyway, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, how far would I be willing to go or you be willing to go, you know, to sell, to sell yourself, to sell, to sell out? sell your culture you know and that's just what that the main characters was was conflicted with because like as soon as they put her in front of the camera she was she was peddling this war bonnet and (laughs) that's when she realized like what what she knew what the fuck she was doing but that was just the basic message was how far would you go to make it to the top would you sell and and it has to do with your culture would you sell your culture you know would you hustle it to, to get what you want or would you do the right things be like no nah, I'm cool to preserve your integrity and your respect for everything you represent that's that's what the whole story was but it was I don't know to me they, they kind of wanted to try to film it a little bit with that uh, fight club style with the kind of greenish muted colors and these real quick cuts you know like a you know a Michael Bay or something but I mean hey they 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 had a vision and I respect that but it, it was it was an interesting film, um, but yeah, I I stand with Nez. I think the, my fan favorite of the night was a stripper. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny. It was it, the pacing was good. The story was good. The the actors, first time actors uh, in those kids, uh, it was they they had they had chemistry on screen that made it you know look like they all knew each other. And that's what you want when you're when you're directing is a, a cast that pretty much can represent what you're what you've written it was good man i mean that first night and then then the party started <laughs> yeah we went to the uh opening screening after party at the uh the hard rock cafe i'm pretty much like downstairs from uh, where we were at all right i'm looking at the uh 
the opening screening after party uh, flyer type thing. It says um, Native Guitars Tour, Morning Star, Ange- Ange- Angeline, Mozart, Gabriel, Doc Martin, and Jir Anderson. Okay, Mozart Gabriel was there. I want to say it was Doc Martin because I don't remember the. She didn't have tattoos on her arm, and this Morning Star. Angeline, she she did. Um, there was just Mozart and Doc Martin were the only two there. I mean, I don't because we unless they came on earlier when we we weren't there yet. Um, so I don't know, but those are the only ones that we saw performing. Uh, Doc Martin, she beautiful young sister, uh, has a really good voice. But for me, the the star of the night out of the two that that we got to see was Mozart Mozart Gabriel. I mean this this young brother, man, he was going for his other than being on stage singing his original songs um and pretty much closing out the party, uh walking around. If you if you follow East Society on TikTok, I threw up a video of there uh, of him. I think I put both of them. There was one when he was just walking around in the crowd and then there was one of him yeah, I put two videos on there. There's one when he's on the like pretty much the dance floor singing, and man, this this guy without a microphone, man, you could hear him clearly. And then there's one when he's walking around, uh, standing in, in the booths where you eat and everything. So, but it was really cool. I, I got to talk to him afterwards. I'm gonna reach out to him and get him on the show uh, eventually, and everything. He was like, cause I, he was like, yeah, I told him I had a podcast, and he was like, yeah, man, I'll come on there and talk about this and that. I love. I love telling stories. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I thought he was really cool. Really cool. Uh, the Doc Martin chick, she was awesome. Um, I assume we missed the other two. But uh, the food was good. Um, shout out to Charlie. Uh, he was making me laugh. And uh, all the people we met that night, I don't remember anyone's name. The only one I remember was Charlie because he, we were sitting there laughing around. Um, but he was really cool. I can't remember what he 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 was telling me. I, I said I asked him if are you a filmmaker or something. He goes, Nah, man, I'm I'm like in the in the bag in the cuts. I do this and I do that and I help get things going and all that. And I'm like, Oh, right on, cool. Um, are you gonna work with him? Because yeah, I thought you, I thought you guys were buddies. <laughs> yeah, no, we we met over um over Zoom, and he's one of the one of the um one of the brothers that got you know all us family of filmmakers together. And we just kept in touch like over time. And, um, it, <laughs> I mean, that dude, he's the type of dude where you don't, you know, he, he's just this really friendly native guy, you know, talks to everybody, knows everybody, but man, that dude's full of resources. And if, you know, if you need help with something, he just boom, boom, like right off the bat when I, we had that issue, uh, with that picture that we took and that one jackass from that one fake ass Indian dude from Germany, mm-hmm fucking Baron Von Eaglestaff or whatever his name was, was talking shit saying that none of us looked Indian. And I just told, I told him about it. He's like, you know what? I know the admins for that page. Let me hit him up pretty soon. Boom. You know, Klaus got canceled. So see ya. And, um, all of us, like we just all kept in touch with him and yeah, man, he, he's just, he's funny. Like that was the first time I hung out with him in person. I didn't think he'd do. I I knew he was funny, but I didn't think he was that funny. He was just all over the place talking with everybody. 
with a badass um Doctor Strange uh psychedelic shirt on. But it was that that party was dope. I mean, we we talked with everybody that, you know, that would talk with us and um met some really some really good people. Shout out to April Johnson up in Canada and her mom. Uh April's a filmmaker and um she was really cool to talk with and then uh, Roger, Roger was there, Leron, Isaac, you know, all these other, other filmmakers and then some musicians that we met and it was just fun, man. Just talking about our films and, and, and just working the room and then, <laughs> and we were getting tired. It was time to, you know, tap out. So, yeah, man, I ate up, I, mean, I was still full from dinner, but then all that food, Charlie said, I don't know, there's this, there's that. And I'm like, oh, I got up. Let me just eat some more. Yeah, I, oh, man, I felt like uh, I felt like it was a throw up. I ate too much. Um, but, yeah, that was a cool party. I liked it. Everybody, yeah, was friendly. I mean, even if you didn't know, everyone walking by with smiles. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? So I really like that vibe. It wasn't like just a, a party with with uh, the Hollywood elite. And now nah, everybody was cool with, with one another. Even the the hostesses and, and uh, the waiters and the bartenders, they were all cool. I just, I had a really good time. So, but yeah, we that we called it a night. Cause dude, I was, I was fucking tired. Other than I had to get, I got up hella early and flew down there uh, that morning. But um, yeah, but it, it was cool. It was a cool first, uh, first night to the fest. And uh, the films that we saw were awesome. Again, uh, shout out to uh, all the guys in Stripper. Um, then the next night or the next day, we did we miss? I think we missed the first round of films because we we didn't get there because Mike's film, uh, his little short doc, uh, little shot to horror, was on the uh, 3 p.m. program. So I, I didn't. Looks like we missed. One, two, I'm, I'm not going to run the synopsis, but the first uh, program on Saturday, November 19th, The Giant Wave, House After, Calls Whisper, Adventures of Green Space, or Adventures to Green Space, Nightcap, Tough Love, Speak Again, Things You Know About, Things You Know But can't exp- Cannot Explain, Feeling the Blanks, Longhouse, Sleeping Bear, Water oh, Baby. Those? Oh, you did? Where was? Oh, I, I. That's right. You, you guys went in. I yeah, went. I, I went walking down to uh, Funko Hollywood and uh, bought some. Fuck, dude. All right, really quick on that. But then you can you can go into all this. I didn't see any of these. But man, other than it was hot to me, it was hot. <laughs> um, Hollywood. No offense to anyone that lives there or or is from there, but dude, it's just fucking scummy. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> um, I know the homeless issue is a problem everywhere, but I don't know. And uh, a lot of mental uh, issues with people walking around screaming, talking, and I don't know. I I dude, I was like. Watch walking the edge and just keeping my eye out front and back uh, with all these people. Um, so yeah, the, they said that where the TCL theater was to Funko, I said, oh, it's only like a mile and some change. Man, it felt like I walked forever, <laughs> and I finally found it. Uh, I was glad I didn't have to stand in a line because I just walked right on in there. And uh, 
If you guys have been to the one up in Everett, uh, when uh, the Zisu and I were up there, we kind of did a walkthrough. And that very first time I did, I did a walkthrough. I think it's over on um, our YouTube page. You can ch- check that video out. I did film a little bit. I threw up one uh, little video on TikTok, mainly a uh, little horror section that they had. Um, it's the Zizu gave me his list. I'm looking for this, 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 and that. Um, I only found like two things uh, that he wanted. The other things I assume were, were just long gone. Um, I didn't really pick up anything for myself. Um because uh, usually in their horror section, they have all the, the horror pops and everything. I, I already have all those. So uh, I was kind of looking for that um, the Michael Myers, the, the Halloween one. It's in the, it's kind of in the longer box. It's uh, got the poster and it's uh, little Michael uh, Myers in there. I think it was a glow-in-the-dark one, but they didn't have those. I think it's a Walmart exclusive, but uh, they didn't have that. Because they had a lot of exclusives in there, but nothing that really uh, stood out to me. Uh, little Funko sodas. Uh, I was looking at all those. There wasn't any that um, stuck out to me that, that I needed. So, plus I didn't want. I didn't want. I never want to go overboard when I go there because I don't want to carry it all on the plane. And I had an issue today with the stuff that I did bring back. But yeah, I grabbed a couple things uh, for Christmas for my grandsons and a couple things for the Zisu. So uh, shh, don't tell them what I got. I got him some stuff. But yeah, it was cool. But I did I guess it was a, a, maybe a mile because on my way back it seems like I walked like faster uh, to get back to the theater because I remember looking, oh shit, I better hurry up. So that's when I started walking back uh, to the theater, and I made it just in time. But I came in, dude, I was fucking sweating and huffing and puffing. There was something going on outside in the front. Um, was it Iran? Is that what they were? Yeah, so it's a Iranian protest. Yeah, uh, support Iran and all that because all the, the the chaos that's going all, all over there and, and the murdering of uh, the citizens there. Um, I, I really don't know much about it. I was just reading everybody's signs, and it was kind of sad. There was a lot of people carrying those signs, and again, it just it said in their language and their in their writing and then in English it was like say their name and I, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce anyone's name but there was pictures of them so it was like women young kids I guess they were all getting, getting murdered over there protesters. So they're killing protesters yeah so all that was going on they were protesting here uh, in America so yeah keep the fight going everyone so yeah, um, yeah. Then I walked back before uh, Mike's film started, uh, and that was program three. But before we get into program three, um, I'll start off at the top. Speak again. Um, you saw that one. You'll have to uh, go into that one. Let me see. Let me read this synopsis really quick. Three generations of the. Oh my God. Potawatomi. Potawatomi. Yeah, paddle, but whatever. Share knowledge across time. <laughs> was this like a a stop animation one? I'm looking at a picture. Um. Oh God, which which one was that? I think. Um. God, my memory, man. Don't ever. Yeah, let me, yeah, um, let me read it. <laughs> Three generations of the pot of what? How do you say? me. Yeah, share knowledge across time and space. <laughs> uh, refining it. What it means to speak or to truly speak again. A braiding sweetgrass robin wall chimera, I think that's what it said, reflects on the loss of the Potawatomi. 
There you go. Uh, language and the experience of the Potawatomi language uh, conference when there is a when there are nine first language speakers left at at the time braiding sweet grass how as now as hundreds and thousands of copies of, in circulation and during the the pandemic Robin has con contacted by Jack Mark there's a lot going on this Mark Well and former Governor of Delaware Jack. Um, oh, former, former governor of Delaware, Jack had written a poem called Nine Remain, inspired by Robin's story and contracted a speaking Potawatomi artist and to collaborate with him and to collaborate with and to compose the music. All right. Um, I didn't see it. So you have to tell us what this one was. What is that? Was that part of the animation? Because Yeah, this was part of the, the animation ones. Damn, I don't remember that one. Um, I think it was the one with this. Uh, it was a uh, because um, the next one is it was what? What was the next one? The next movie? Things you know but cannot explain. Oh, those I didn't see those ones. Uh, the okay. one I started was the one that we saw. Uh, Feeling the blanks. Me and Ananda was uh, Feeling the blanks. Yeah. And then what's the one after that? Longhouse. Okay, what was the one before feeling the blanks? Things you know but cannot explain. Okay, that yeah, that was that one was a uh, it was cool because it was like all um, different kind of mediums. It was like uh, watercolors, paintings, drawings, and it was just about this um, how this raven. I guess that is the one. That explanation just threw me off. Um, it was just a story about how Raven became a man. And then how the man came back to being a raven is just like all the things that that the Potawatomi went through, the struggles they went through um, in their uh, creation story to become who they are and then eventually keep that connection to the raven. And um, it was all done with a really cool artwork, uh, transitional artwork. And the, the the storytelling, the music was beautiful too, and the it was all in language. It was all in the Potawatomi language, so that one was really impressive. And then the next one, fill in the blanks. That's the one. Um, with, the, no things you know but cannot explain. Um, and this stop animation animation short using as its basics the artwork of Rick Barto. We follow um, experiment. Follow experimentally as one goes into reclaiming their identity and culture that long fell asleep within them, waiting for the moment to wake itself back up. Okay, I think that one was the. Um, oh my God. Okay, we'll come back to that. And then what's the one after that? Feeling the blanks. A young native boy flees or frees a helpless eagle trapped in a in a in a snare. Uh, also freeing his mind with wonders, nightmares, and dreams. Yeah, that one was that one was kind of okay. So when the animation program started, this woman came in and she had like four four kids, four little kids. And when that one started, I was like, oh damn, because if that one was computer, uh, it was computer animated, and it was cool. It was a good little story, but there was a scene where uh, when little little dude was asleep. Um, he was taking care of this this eagle, and then he had it in his lodge. And then when he was asleep, he had this dream where he's looking at this mountain, and it had these skulls on it. And 
the mute, the sound effects, it was like a backwards heartbeat sound effect with this real kind of droning, droning sound. It was a really depressing sound and every, the colors were all like kind of maroon and muted and just to represent him having this bad dream. And then he saw his mom and he couldn't get to her because there was like blood and everything in front of him. And I was like, damn, these kids downstairs are probably like, you know, going crazy, you know. But I think at one point I saw them get up and leave. But it, the story behind it was basically, um, well, I don't want to give it away, but I think um, the mountains with the skulls on it, you can kind of figure it out what, what famous national monument it was. And it was just basically a story about how he how he has to has to nurse this eagle back and then by doing that it represented like he was his spirit was free again like he was having these bad dreams but he had to let he couldn't keep that eagle he had to let it go and that one was pretty cool but there's one um that we watched it was stop motion it was a, a music video and that was the one where uh uh that young that young lady nicole uh, that was wearing the ribbon skirt. She did the animation and come to find out what talking with her, <laughs> talking with her, we both went to the same, uh, the same college in Chicago. And, um, and she was from, she was familiar with Chicago. So she was really fun to talk to. And then uh, her friend Alexa is the musician. She, she sang the song, but I thought the animation was really cute. I mean, Nicole, which, built- which one was that? Oh God, let me get to the program. Cause I'm, Longhouse. Uh, this that was the next one after fill in the blanks. The spirit is awakened as a oh, Chinookan. Did I say it? Longhouse becomes uh, the vehicle for spiritual healing. And the next one after that was a sleeping bear. A mother bear and her two cubs escape one threat only to be thrown into another. This uh, retelling of Ottawa legend shows the love. Uh, a mother as for her babies at any cost. After that one was Water Baby 2. I didn't even say Water Baby 1. A young relative is uh, burdened by a recurring dream. She gets advice and is started uh, on a path which revisits old legends and frightening truths. And the last one was when the, the earth began, the way of the sky dwellers. Narrated completely in the ooh, Mohawk. <laughs> That's in parentheses. I'm not even going to try to say the other one. Uh, oh, my God. Tiss something is an animated version of the first part of an epic. My God. How, how what? I don't know. Creation story in which we learn the origins of the Sky Woman and the forces to play leading up to their fall to Earth. Now, which one did Nicole do? She did. They did speak again. The three generations of Potawatomi share knowledge across time and space. Oh, that's the one that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one. The music video. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the one. It was animated, or uh, it was the first song, uh, or the song uh, was by Alexa Dawson, and it was. I mean, the the song was called "Speak Again," and. Um, the artist was uh, Nicole Emmons. She's the one that did the stop motion for the for that film. <laughs> and um, let's see, that one was that one was really good. I like that one. Um, I'm kind of bummed out because 
Uh, I just, man, because we had to, after we took you to the airport, we had to go, uh, we had to run errands, and I didn't get to make it to, like, all these other films, like Roger's film. And so uh, Longhouse. Longhouse was the Spirits Awaken as a Chinook in Longhouse becomes the vehicle for spiritual healing. And that one was cool. It was just really simple but effective animation about this guy. Um, it, it was kind of, it kind of reminded me of like a, a Pink Floyd video or something. And this guy was in the Longhouse singing a song. And then the Longhouse levitated. It lifted off the land and went on this, like traveling through space. And we got to see all these different things representing the song and his voice. So that one, that one was really cool. It was just kind of like, it, it, was, it was, it was like a healing song. It was like he was traveling across the universe and finding himself again. And um, that dude, the uh, uh, Eric Sanchez, who directed it and he animated it and everything, he, um, he's, it took him, what did he say, uh, six weeks to complete because of the animation. He did everything himself. Which is like, man, because I I was an animator for a little bit, and it was it takes a lot of time. You can't just do it. Uh, it takes a lot of work to develop it to develop it. But and then what was the next one? The next one was after Longhouse was Sleeping Bear. Okay, sleep. Oh, that one. Okay, that one was sad. But just kind of real quick, that one was um. It wasn't. Uh, it, it was from an indigenous story, but the the person that did it was she was from Germany. So um, it was a story of how um, uh, in in Michigan there's the sleeping bear dunes, and it was a story about this mother uh, mother bear and her two cubs how they had to leave their homeland because of a fire. There was a fire that was pushing everything towards the water. So the only way to survive was she and her cubs had to had to swim across the ocean to to this other to this other land. And when uh, when she woke up on the shore, uh, her cubs didn't make it. Weak. She would she went on top of this mountain, on top of this sand dune, and she laid there to wait. And she would cry for them every night. She would lay there, and then finally the uh, you know she you know the the, the uh, great spirit felt bad but you know respected her for her waiting and wanting her cubs and so he let her go into this really deep sleep and then he told her when you wake up you know you're going to be with your kids again so this the spirit went under the water and got the cubs bodies and brought them up and made them into islands so if you go to um sleeping bear dunes there's these two small islands off the coast of it and those are the cubs and the big dune is the mom so they're always together now. So that it was, it was animated. It was in, it was in language, and it was, it was a beautiful film. Uh, I liked the animation. It was really, uh, it, it was, it was cool. But the story, of course, it was sad. The but, bears uh, talking? No. No, the bear. No, the narrator's telling. Yeah, no, it's not like Winnie the Pooh or something. It was. Yeah, they didn't have clothes on and stuff either. So. <laughs> But it was no singing and dancing. No, man, it was the uh, necessity. <laughs> I was going to say that I'm like blue. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't dress up like a orangutan with the two <laughs> coconuts. <laughs> hey, when he comes busting in and starts singing. I love that part. <laughs> Water Baby 2. What's that one? 
Oh, dude. Okay. So that one, that one's is about the legend of the water babies. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, I mean, the first, the, the, one of the, one of the scariest parts was when this, this elder. Okay. So it starts out with, um, this girl, she wakes up. It's, it's a combination of, of, um, animation and live action. And it's about this girl. She wakes up, she's having these dreams and she has this bandana and she carries it with her. But ever since she got it, she's been having these dreams. So she goes to this elder, he's sitting in the park and he's coloring or he's drawing in a drawing pad. She asks him, what, what do these dreams mean? Can you tell me? And she's like, I keep hearing something crying and I'm by the water. And he's like, Oh, you're dreaming the water babies. And get out of there starts telling her like about and and he goes remember uh john big eagle that disappeared up in northern territory she's like yeah he goes well he heard him and they showed the reenactment that shit was scary it was in black and white and it was all grainy but they shot on location so he was in this in this water and then this black you <laughs> you heard these babies crying in this black I don't know, it looked like black hair was floating after him and it was grabbing him and pulling him under. And that part was creepy. But then um, she wakes up in the middle of the night and she wants, she gets curious. So she goes to the water and um, it was kind of, it was kind of cheesy, but it was, it, the idea of it was, was funny. Is this like this baby doll that they painted to look hella ugly. And then you could see like, it, it was, it kind of reminded me like, <laughs> Once again, shout out to Sam Raimi. It was like a Sam Raimi style. You can see this from the baby's view, and then you can see it floating in the water. And then it grabbed her and tried. Oh, oh, so the legend of the water babies, he told her, is the reason that the reason that they're they grab people is because this witch came to the village and took the babies. And when the witch put them in the water, uh, the witch held them by their pinky toe. And dropped them in, and that's and then drowned them, and then then took their power. That's how it, the witch was able to get the powers and kill the babies. And so, anytime you uh, a living person got near the water, the babies would start crying and hope the person would come, and they would attack that person because that person to them represented the witch. So it was their revenge on the witch. So anyway, they got near the water, um, they would snatch them up and drag them in by their pinky toe. They grab you by, he said, that's why the guy said, anytime you're walking by the water and you feel your pinky toe start to hurt, you got to move away from it. They're trying to pull you in. Or anytime you're in the water and you feel your feet, something touching your feet, that's them telling you that we're right here. We're right here with you. So anyway, she goes down to the water and boom, hears it crying and she's looking in the water. She goes into the water. And then uh, the little little baby grabs her leg and she falls backwards, but she manages to get on shore and it's pulling her leg. And the only thing she could do is she whipped out that bandana and threw it in the water. And then it disappeared. And he went and that little water baby grabbed that bandana and took it down. And um, nope. and then he told her, that elder told her, you're connected to them. You're by some, you're connected to them. That's why they, they keep calling you. They're calling you. But then, so then it was, the story was over, but then at the end had this post credit scene. <laughs> these two, these two native guys, two, two big native dudes out in the dark. And I think they were trying to like uh, bust on a, like ghost adventures and all ghost hunters. <laughs> but <laughs> one dude clearly had on this wig, it was all shiny. And um, 
he was by the water. The guy holding the camera, okay, for wasn't the big dude that was by the water. He had on those those goggles like um like uh, uh what's his name uh, Ray Stantz had in the first Ghostbusters those goggles, and anytime he turned them on, it had the sound effect of the the uh, proton pack turning on. But he was like, oh yeah, I gotta put my goggles on because I can see see the water babies out there, and, and then. It was just funny. I mean, he just, some parts you couldn't tell what they were saying because their, their res accents were so thick. And the dude holding the camera kept going, watch out, watch out. It's right there. Look at the footprint. Footprint. Oh, it's touching you. It's touching you. And I was like, stop playing. Stop playing. And, and the whole crowd was just cracking up. But then I forgot how it ended. Oh, some kind of, he turned around. He heard something breathing. The, the, the dude by the water turned around. He's like, oh, and he took off running down the road. The whole time he was running, he was pulling his pants up. And the other dude with the camera, like, where are you going? Running too fast. He's like, wait, hold on. And and then he heard something breathing behind him, and he turned around real quick, and you caught a glimpse of the goat man. And then he took off running, and that's where it ended. The goat but, man? Yeah, the, the goat man. You ever heard of the goat man? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. I, I could tell you that story sometime. That shit's, that shit's crazy. This is Put it out there. My grandma, my grandma seen the goat, man. But so yeah, that was a that was Water Babies two. That's what everybody's like. What is Water Babies one? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but and then after that was um what was one after that? See, after Water Babies two, there was um oh the Earth began the way of the sky dwellers. Yeah, I think that was the one with the um. Let's see. Yeah, that one was long. That one was about maybe it's like almost twenty, maybe twenty-five minutes. Uh, it was just about the uh, Hadondasani creation story. There's a it was uh, in the Mohawk language, and it was basically about the origins of Sky Woman, how she how she came to be, how she was uh, this one the one of the Mohawk bands went to this lodge where there was this mother and her daughter. And basically the, the one chief was like, you need to bring her to me because uh, she interprets dreams and I'm having dreams and she needs to help me understand them. So he, uh, she went to talk to him and then he fell in love with her. And then he went and told the mom, Hey, um, she's going to stay with me. Basically I'm going to marry her and she's not allowed to come back here. So the mom was like, okay, and she had a brother, but I don't know what happened to him. He went somewhere. They, they never said what happened to him. But So she goes, and uh, this dude makes a basket of marriage bread and gives it to the mom, and then tell, they him and the mom eat. And he tells the mom, that's when he tells her, I'm, I'm, I'm taking your daughter, and she's going to live with me. And then um, he was, like, kind of overbearing. He was telling her, like, you, I want, when you go, he was telling his wife when he married her, he's like, when you go get water, uh, you're going to see all these guys playing lacrosse. Don't talk to any men. I don't want you talking to any men. You have to be pure and all this, blah, blah, blah. So she, you know, got water and she came back and one of the warriors stopped her and asked her if he could have a drink. So, you know, she got a drink and then she went back and filled up the cask again and came home and dude was like, I heard you were talking to some other guy and all this, blah, blah, blah. So he knocks her up, you know, she gets pregnant. And then, um, he had a dream. He has this dream that they tear down their this big tree in the middle of their their land, and he and her would go and um, sit there and eat on the edge of this where the hole is where the tree was. They would sit there and eat, 
and uh, make peace with the earth uh, or make an offering to the earth so that the tribe could endure. And so um, she went out for a walk and, and she went to go see her mom. Then her mom told her, I think her mom or somebody told her like, well, okay, when you walk back to your husband, you're going to be stopped. Don't talk to any men. You know, don't talk to any men. You know, the men will just, these men will deceive you. So she was walking back to the, to the chief's uh, lodge and she met three versions of him, of the chief looked just like him, but she walked right past him. And then one turned into a, one turned into a bear or one turned into a bear. Another turned into a wolf. I think another one turned into a deer, but they're all trying to deceive her. And she, you know, is just kind of representing like how pure she was and how honest she was. So she got back to her husband. They got married. The they he he told the uh, warriors in the tribe go rip down that tree. So they went and tore that tree down. He got the food. She got the food. They went and sat on the edge of that. And basically, his mission was to to find a way to save his people. And so they were sitting on the edge of that hole where the tree was. And then there were stars. Like in that hole, you could see like the the stars, like the sky at night. It was all the stars. And he put his arm around her and then he pushed her. He pushed her in the hole and he told the warriors, put the tree back. So that's how Sky Woman was born. That's why she watches over the Mohawk. His, uh, his, his sacrifice was basically saving his people. He had to sacrifice his wife. And but she, you know, she's destined to watch over all the Mohawk people. And that's how she became the mother of the stars and the sky dwellers, the spirits that watch over everybody. So it was, it was, it was cool, man. I mean, she it was sad, but you know, I was like, damn, sucker threw his wife in the hole. Then when you understand that why he did that, it was like, oh, okay. Well, I've seen. I have to find all these once they um put them out. I'd like to see them all, especially that feeling the blanks one. But that one was cute. <laughs> I like that one. All right, on to program one, short documentary. The first one, duh, man, this one was depressing, but it was life and it, and it was true. Uh, Relentless, the is it MHA or is it Maha? Uh, Nation, MHA Nations Battle Against the Opioid Epidemic Part One. Now, now I'm going to see part two. Relentless is a short documentary about the Madan. Hidasa and Akra nations. Arikara. Uh, battle against the opioid epidemic on their reservation. Episode one covers the, the tribal nation's leadership approach to addressing this devastating issue with their boundaries in North Dakota. Yeah, this one was really cool. I, I liked uh, what they did. They, they took it in their own hands to help uh, their people uh, because, I mean... There's treatment centers everywhere, but I assume where this reservation was, everything was kind of far. So they took it in their own hands, built their own treatment centers, run. They run it all. They got all the workers to come in and do it. And some of the workers were like um, people that were that were struggling with addiction that, that overcame it and wanted to help. So I really liked it. Um, this uh, this little documentary It wasn't very long. Uh, it was to the point. I'd like to see part two. I remember we were talking to the director afterwards, and uh, he was cool. But I like this one. It was depressing, but 
this is real life. It's everywhere. It's on pretty much every reservation, every city, every small town, not just dealing with uh, natives. This is this problem is is a human problem. It, it deals with everybody. I may I don't know. I'm sure how it is on other sides of the world, but here in America, this is a big problem, and especially on um, indigenous lands on the res in the rancherias and what have you. It, it, it's a big problem. And it's something that we all need to help uh, in on this fight. I mean, it's it's easy to say, yeah, I will help, but it, it's, it is hard uh, to deal with, especially if it touches your family. I mean, it's it's really hard, man. It's, it's hit our family, and it's hard, but we're getting through it. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Again, it was depressing, but I, I really, really liked this one. What did you think of it? It's what's tough about it too is like basically like one cat was saying, you know, the resources around us are very are very few and far between. So we have to come up with our own. You know, we had funding from you know uh, DEA, and so they trained their own people to have their own uh, drug enforcement task force on the reservation. But the hardest part about that too is like you may one day have to arrest your brother. Yep. Or have to bust your, your mom or for using or, you know, uh, and I think the most alarming thing was the, the rise in suicides. Um, I mean, there was God in 2020, there was over 1200 suicides on this res with only about, God damn, I don't know how many, how many members across that one nation, but it was, that's why it's an epidemic is because it's, it's, the percentages of, of addiction and, and drug violence and suicide is going up. But I mean, their, their fight against it, against their own war on drugs, you know, it's just not only just, it's, it's saving a people, you know, it's like the self genocide. And it was, it was really impacting because like at the end, I thought one of the best parts was at the end, when each one of these, these folks that are, are fighting the battle, that are trying to save the nation, um, they put their phone numbers and emails, like you can see it, you know, they put all their information on and saying what they do. Like one of them was saying everybody from school teachers to, to, you know, the do the works of the gas station, everyone knows how to use Narcan, how to, how to, how to, uh, you know, use Narcan on someone that's going through it. Everyone is trained in CPR. Everyone is trained in Narcan. Everybody is trained and it's like everybody, I mean, we're talking school teachers, talking daycare centers, restaurant owners, gas station attendants, anybody that's on that res that cares, they're, they're able to go to any one of these places and be like, hey, I want to be trained in how to do this. So there was, it was one part that was really tear jerking was these three paramedics. They're like, when you see babies addicted to drugs, you know, and children that are in houses where they haven't slept or been cleaned up in, in weeks, you know, or somewhere the parents are dead and the babies are still in the crib. You got to go in there and, you know, take care of them. And they were saying like that they, a lot of them end up taking care of everybody else's children because their parents can't. But their one thing too is like, they don't, they don't like banish anyone from having addiction. They don't make fun of them and they don't leave them behind. They do whatever they can. And there was one, young lady, she kicked it off or she was talking about her addiction and how she's still recovering, but she tries her best to help everybody on the, on the reservation. 
to get to the resources that helped her. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was tough to watch because, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a former uh, drug addict, you know, I don't say, can say former, but I was a drug addict that no one ever knew about. I hit it really well. Um, but I have my own struggles with it. Face my own. What did they, they used the term, um, substance abuse demons or something like that. It was really a, a, a powerful term I've never heard before, but it would, what, what, bothers you know like me and nez about this whole thing is we know people that we've lost people family members and friends close you know our closest brothers to drug addiction and alcohol addiction and um to see that know now that there's resources to combat that you know but it's just it's it you can only offer it you can't make anybody do it so um there's always that struggle but that's the inner struggle with the person that's that's uh fighting it but I, I, I really liked it because, and I told the director, his name's Justin. I told him, man, that's the, probably the best uh, documentary I've ever seen about addiction because it offers resources. It doesn't just say, here's the problem. Like, you know, that one documentary, Drunk Town USA, about, you know, the Indian alcoholics in New Mexico. All it was, was it didn't show anything else, but just natives being drunk. It's like, okay. You showed that now what can what's happening about it to prevent it. This film did that. And like I said, the closing credits was every person that spoke on camera telling you, you know, like one guy, man, that one dude is like, here's my personal cell phone number. You call it anytime. If you need help, call me for anything. You need a place to stay. You need food. I got you. Call, go ahead and give me a call. And every one of those tribal members did that. Call me, call me, call me. If not, we'll find you somebody. Da 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 da. And that that to me was like um, that was that was a good resource. I'm glad that Skins Fest put that one on there. And I think honestly, like in my opinion, every film festival should show that film. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every well, every film festival should show that film every year. What I liked it. What other thing I what I liked about it was they didn't show people that were all fucked up and whacked out on drugs. It was like they were just talking about it. I mean, because we've seen it. I mean, if you haven't, then good. Stay away. You don't want to see it. But, I mean, I've seen it personally. I mean, growing up, especially being in Oakland, seeing it here uh, in house, uh, friends' homes, seeing it in the park, seeing it in the street, seeing your friends go through all this crazy shit. I mean, that's the type of stuff that made me not want to do any of it. I was yep. like, that's, I said, that does, fuck, that does not look fun at all. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm cool. So I mean, I, I stayed away from that shit. If my friends are doing, it, I'll see you later, and I'd take off. But I was like, nah, that wasn't for me. But this one, it was really, really powerful and impact. And, and like you said, uh, instead of just showing it and talking about it, the they were doing something about it. Um. This, this, these guys that they made their own thing and they're they're doing their thing. This is probably helping happening on on other reses as well. But yeah. this one they put put this little short documentary together and put it out there for their people, uh, showing what they're doing, which was amazing. I mean, I would like to go out there someday just to see uh, the whole situation on one, not the 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 drug problem, but just how they're running their programs and everything. So I think that, I mean, I think every res needs this, but yeah, it comes down to 
funding. I know you can put in for grants and everything, but it's it's still. But these guys, they said, you know what? Let's stop talking about it. Let's do it. And they did it and they're doing it. So, I mean, shout out to them. I thought this was really, really powerful and impactful on what was going on with their situation in their part of the country. But, yeah, check that one out if you guys can find it. I'm sure they're going to put this, especially this one. It shouldn't just be at film festivals. It should be, like, everywhere. Put it online and all that. So, all right. Uh, on to the next one. Well, this motherfucker was just playing with toys and taking pictures of them. Um <laughs> Uh, Brother Mike's here. Uh, little <laughs> shots of horror, uh, and a follow-up of shorts, <laughs> and a follow-up of sorts uh, to his award-winning short film *Unboxed: The Art of Action Figure Photography*. Native American indie filmmaker and action figure photographer Mike J. Marin showcases and discusses some of his most iconic horror action figure photography shots in this unique short documentary. Um, I seen this one a while ago, and I just completely fucking forgot about it. <laughs> so I think I was more, I, I remembered more of uh, Unboxed, uh, that one. But this one was really cool. It, other than it was just uh, Mike's awesome pictures. Uh, follow him on Instagram uh, to see it all. But um, it was like a horror lesson. I mean, not just about the pictures and, and the, the 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 figures and everything. I mean, if some people didn't know about the characters you, you were sh- were shooting up or what film it came from, I thought that was really cool. I really like that that it was like other than just showing your art, uh, you were explaining what this is and who they were and and all that. I just I just this was fucking awesome. I, I loved it. Again, I had seen it before, but I, it was a while ago. It was sometime last year. And uh, but to the other the to me the bonus thing was that was to other than we were sitting in the VIP seats, um, we it was on a fucking big screen, and it it was cool. I mean, seeing the smudging for the first time in, in a movie theater, and then seeing it again at another at film festivals all over the place, and watching it at home. Uh, watching uh, the parties downstairs on the big screen that one year when we were in San Francisco at the American Indian uh, Film Festival. But this one, awesome, man. I mean, I'm not just saying that because my brother here, and he's a part of the East Society. But no, I mean, even if it was just me that I didn't know Mike, and I was, hey, man, this is cool. But because this is something that that I like. I mean, I collect. I love horror films. You guys know that. So, but this was, it was an awesome one. Um, are you gonna throw this on YouTube? Uh, after you like it does all that. You like it because you're another motherfucker that plays with toys. I don't play with them. Mine are on the boxes, everyone. <laughs> I don't, except for my Funkos, they're all loose uh, here and there. But <laughs> don't lie. You got some Lucy's in the bathtub. Forget about it. Uh, anyway, what did you ask me? What what I? What where I are you? Oh. Yeah, where, where no, I'm not gonna ask you what you thought about it. Where, where, <laughs> where, where are you gonna put this so everyone can see it after it does uh, the fest, uh, the festival runs? Uh, probably throw it up on YouTube, which uh-huh. uh, uh, un- unbox the art of action figure photography is on YouTube. Um, I'm thinking about doing one more because I like to do things in threes. Um, yeah. so the unboxed and then, yeah, there's un- <laughs> <laughs> there's unboxed stuff <laughs> and then uh this one 
uh, Little Shots of Horror, and then the next one, uh, you're just gonna have to wait and see what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 cool to see my films on the big screen, like the smudging. I love the fact that uh, you know it was at an AMC. Is that AMC in San Francisco and just in the and it was packed in there. And that's a, it's always a good feeling when you're a filmmaker. And you know, as an artist, you always feel you could do better. You know, um, hence George Lucas always changing his shit. But as an artist, you feel you could always do better. And with these films that I do, you know, I'm not making millions of dollars, I'm not, you know, up for any Oscars, and that's fine with me because. I'm I'm doing what uh, you know. Once again, I'm doing what uh, the legendary John Carpenter told me to do when I talked to him. He's like, just have fun, and I'm having fun. So yeah, I love being that motherfucker that plays with toys and photographs them. Because, quite frankly, what I told the crowd in the Q and A too is like, this shit saved me from depression. I mean, being stuck at home during the early days of the pandemic because I'm immunocompromised. If it wasn't for action figure photography, but greater than that. Shout out to Dr. Marin, my wife. It wasn't for her telling me, bro, do something with yourself because you got film degree, you got graphic arts degree, and a shit ton of toys. Get off your ass and, you know, in the words of uh, Rocky Dennis, make yourself well. So I went to uh, rest in peace. So I went and did it. I started unboxing all my shit. And, of course, you know, Nez was like on the side, gritting his teeth. Oh, why the fuck you open that? And. I had to, you know, I had to do something and that just turned into a hobby into kind of a career, a little side career move because now I got, uh, you know, famous comic book artists like, uh, for example, don't want to name drop, but I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, Todd McFarlane, Todd McFarlane, um, messaged me and, uh, saw one of my prints that I did of his, one of the Batman figures he designed for McFarland Toys, and he was like, hey, man, can I get a print of this? And I was like, yeah. He goes, send it to me, and I'll send you something. I was like, all right, cool. So I sent it to him, boom. Sent me back a, a Spider-Man 300 autographed, um, and then a, a Spawn Batman comic autographed, not only with his autograph, but with Frank Miller's. Yeah. So that was just a boom, boom right there. Um, let's see, who else? I've had uh, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> AMH um, hit me Eagle up. dies tonight. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it it turned into something that gets recognition. I mean, I'm recognized by a lot of toy companies. Hasbro, NECA, Marvel um, put me on their websites. And um, I'm, I'm in a couple of catalogs, I think, that they give out. Uh, when they do those TED Talks, like to market or, or to show their upcoming products, like I'm in a couple of magazines. Or um, webinars that they show big investors and, you know, at their annual uh, gatherings. They show what uh, what fans are doing with the figures, and I'm one of the featured artists. So it's pretty cool, man. I mean, so I just turn these into films, you know, showing people what I do. Because, it, yeah, it's on. It's, it's a big community. It's a big community on, on social media, but no one does... You know, no one does this kind of documentary. So I, I want to show what it is, get people like you know, like when I met Doug Bradley, uh, plays Pinhead, the original Pinhead, and I presented him. I gave him a picture. I gifted him a picture of one of the uh, Pinhead figures I did, and told him that you know he's like, "Where did you get this?" I said, "I did. I'm a, I did it. I'm an action figure photographer." He's like, 
that's the thing? I was like, yeah. And then all these people in line were like, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of people there, when I go to these cons now, like Monster Palooza, Son of Monster Palooza, um, people know who I am because I have a lot of followers now on Instagram, which is really cool. Get to meet a lot of people. And, um, and like in my first documentary, Unboxed, I featured a lot of fellow AFPers. And it's just fun, man. I like doing it. I was glad, you know, shout out to LA Skins Fest for, for choosing my film and letting everybody know what I do. And since my focus is on horror, on horror movies and native horror, it was a pretty good combination to bring all that together. And well, the, best, the best part was, I think, is this is the only film that my wife's never seen. So this was, seeing it on the big screen was the first time she's ever seen it. And she was surprised that she's like, that was really good. So she wasn't just saying that because that's my honey. She was, she's really critical of my work, believe me. But yeah, man, what did you, so you, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Everybody else liked it too. That was fun. And oh, okay. So, uh, okay, we'll, we'll get to the, the people that liked it that, that approached me later. So what was, and then what was up next after mine? Oh, all right. Yeah, if you guys want to follow Mike, follow him on uh, the Boneyard Collectibles on Instagram to see just about everything he's done. And if you want to follow another motherfucker that takes pictures of toys, follow uh, at the Zisu for all your uh, Funko needs. And yeah. Anyway, um, the next one was Dues. <laughs> um, Bobby Wilson, aka Dues, is Sistan. Oh, Oh, I can't pronounce these <laughs> tribes. Wapenton, Dakota. I, I probably butchered that shit. Uh, before the journey of uh, creating the hit TV show FX, uh, Reservation Dogs, and a founding member of the 1491's Indian Sketch Comedy Group, he's still. God damn, I got to read more. Okay, hold on. His, uh, okay, his try. <laughs> no, I had to. Well, yeah, well, I had to click on something because it said, and there's more because the whole thing wasn't there. Uh, connected to the original, no, the sketch comedy group, and still stays connected with his original passion for graffiti street art. Michael R. L. Begay's documentary follows street artist dues through his one month resi- residency in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, I thought this film rocked. Uh, I like uh, Bobby Wilson uh, as an actor, as a writer. Um, he was awesome in uh, the what the fuck was that show called? Um, Rutherford Falls. Uh, he was hella funny in that. Every time he was on uh, on Reservation Dogs as well. The fourteen ninety one stuff. Um, it, it was pretty sweet. Uh, I had no idea that he was a graffiti artist. I, I've met him and talked to him a few times and didn't once bring up <laughs> graffiti art. So this was uh, it was cool to me. Interesting. I didn't know. Uh, a part uh, of his life as well. He kind of went into a little bit of his background uh, of his life growing up. I didn't know any of that. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And uh, he, while he's talking, he's uh, painting and doing, uh, I don't know what they were painting on, um, some some building somewhere, but he, he did have permission to do it. And uh, I liked it. I'd like to see more of his graffiti art because he said he's been doing it since he was a kid. So I thought this was really cool. What would you think of this one? It sucked. No, I can say that because I know him, but no, it was cool. I, I didn't know either that he was a street artist. And um, I loved his, his line work in the mural that he was doing. And um, 
what I thought was kind of surprising was like when he was saying sometimes you get hassled, like he had permission to do this mural, but some security guard came out and he told him like, you need this, this and that, but then he didn't stop him from painting. He was like, I'm just here to tell you, like, I'm just doing my job, just telling you. And the whole time I thought was funny was the guy was telling him, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, Bobby was off to the side, still spraying the wall. He's like, all right, all right, man, whatever you say. And, you know, I got permission to do this. So, but it was, it was cool. I liked the way it was shot. It was, it was real, uh, you know, it was real street, street shot style and, uh, you know, kind of guerrilla filmmaking style. I liked it. Um, it was a good story behind it. And, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's another one of those good street art stories that is you want to see more. Cause there was just like, it was only 15 minutes long, but you know, there's a lot more to the story. Uh, he didn't go into his uh, sketch comedy or being, you know, on the shows, but I think basically the whole message behind his graffiti name dues is like, he's paying his dues or you got to pay your dues to get where you're at. Like, man, these cats, 1491 has been doing this for years and pushing and pushing and pushing and always on YouTube and making appearances and boom, here they are right now, nationally well-known. And it's cool, man. It was, it was a good story through art, you know, talking life through art and vice versa. So I liked it. I liked this one a lot, too. And the, yeah. director, the director was really, really a cool guy. He's from a, he's from the south side of Chicago. He's a Navajo cat from south side of Chicago. And uh, like he didn't know. Um, it was funny because he was like, <laughs> shout out to shout out to him, man. He he was uh, to, to Michael. But it was funny because at one point I was like, hey, man, um, has he ever been to the American Indian Center? And I, I was like, I I'm, I stayed in Chicago. I was like, I was, uh, you know, and he's like, no, I've never been up there. He goes, I'm from the south side. I was like, okay. I said, I stayed on the north side. So uh, I never, I didn't meet him until, until yesterday and found out that he was, um, that he stayed in Chicago. But there's, there's a lot, just like a real quick footnote. There's a lot of natives in Chicago that you meet that have never been. They just stay on the outer rim territories. They never been to Moss Eisley. And um, they, you know, when they come into town, they just kind of look around like, oh, my God. It's like, oh, shit. So, yeah, man, there's a lot of uh, that didn't come to the Indian Center. And he was one of them, too. He wasn't familiar with it. But um, it's always good to meet, you know, fellow filmmakers and artists. And I liked his vision. I mean, he, he put his film together really well and, um, I want to see more, uh, all these, all these artists that were, that we've met and watched their films leave you with more. They give you a taste of what they do. And it's like, Hey man, like, you know, when's the next one or what are you working on next? And, but yeah, that one was cool. I liked it. Yeah, I definitely, sure. uh, I definitely want to see uh, more. I mean, I want to see more of, uh, of, uh, of his art, of his graffiti art. Because again, I, I, shit, I didn't know he did all this. So, I mean, other than he's, he's a funny guy and a funny character and everything. I mean, I didn't know for, I didn't know he was an artist. So now I need to see more of it. Um, I don't have those stickers that you gave me that he did and they were originals. It was something that he just did really quick. So I want to get uh, frames and put those on there. But, yeah, check that one out. Um, I'm sure they'll throw it out somewhere. All right, this next one, this is the one that I was really looking forward to, other than Mike's. Um, 
Why do Navajo men have long hair? Uh, one. Hold on, dude. One, one, one significant way that. What the fuck? Oh, no, sorry. What? One significant. <laughs> Testing your distraction level. Yeah. One. <laughs> One significant way that Navajo men and women celebrate our culture is by the way we wear and take care of our hair. Uh, (laughs) To tribal individuals, hair is considered... Bitch. (laughs) I knew it. To tribal individuals, hair is considered a core part of who we are as people and how our hair represents us and our ancestors. In this short film, listen to Navajo cultural expert Stephen Steve Darden speak with uh, brothers. Ooh. They Come said on. their name. They, they said their names when we were talking to them. Uh, Macias, I I probably butchered that, and oh, McKieran Marks and their father Daryl Marks, uh, who provide valuable insight and knowledge as to why Navajo men have long hair. Yeah, Macias, Karen. I like this one. It was more. It was like they they keep they keeping it real. Bottom line, keeping it real on the res in Arizona. Um, being proud of who you are and not giving a fuck what people think about you, your culture, and your long hair. Because these guys, man, they they were representing. They came in the traditional uh, wear, had their hair in the tails, and I, I don't know. I, I don't. I just. I don't know. I've had my hair like that a couple of times, only because my cousins uh, did it for me. But I, I don't know how to do it. Uh, these guys obviously know how to do it, and I'm sure uh, they do it every single day. So cool, right on party. Um, I liked how they did it. They they showed you how to do it. I remember when I was at um, uh, Indigenous Comic Con in Albuquerque. Uh, this one lady was showing me how to do it because she uh, uh, her her she did it for her son. Her son he was all um, cosplayed out uh, Navajo Star Wars style and. She was doing his hair, and uh, I stopped and I was talking to her because I wanted to watch her do it. And she um, she finished it, and then she goes, "Oh, you want to see me how to do it?" So she took it all apart and then did it again. And in this documentary, the the father explains uh, on how to do it and why they do it. So, but it was really cool. I liked it. Uh, uh, what was the director's name? She gave me all her info, and I do not. Cheryl Lee. Was that her name? Yeah, Cheryl Lee Francis. Okay. Yeah, she gave me all her her info, but I don't remember. Yeah, Cheryl Lee Francis. Um, she gave me all her information, websites, Instagram, everything. <laughs> so I got to keep in touch with her. She's going to come on the show uh, eventually, everyone, probably after the holidays, because uh, I do want to talk more about this uh, documentary from what they were saying that they had filmed this uh, years ago. But they were finally putting it out and finally getting it out on the on the on the circuit to for everyone to see. But um, I really loved it. And at meeting these uh, these young cats after uh, the screening and talking to them, they they were cool. Um, 
just I was telling them where I was from and who my family was and where my family was from. And they were kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Because, I mean, they were really just, I grew up in the city, but these are where my parents are from. This is what clan I am. And they were like, oh, okay. So they knew that I wasn't just, I'm just Navajo and I don't know shit about it. No, they were really impressed on, on the stuff that I was telling them. And the thing that was funny, they were talking to to the dad. I said, "Yeah, back um, I we did. I used to do uh, music. I was in a hip hop group without reservation." And he looked at me and went, "That's where you're from." And I was like, "Okay." And I said, "Yeah, it was me and this guy right here." And I hear you. I hear you talking behind me, but I just kind of glanced. I wasn't really paying attention to who you're talking to. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, so, but I was like, "Yeah." I said, "We were in a group." He goes, "Yeah, I remember you guys." And I was like, you do? Right on. He goes, yeah. Um, he goes, I'm a rapper, too. Or he was a rapper. His, he did look familiar. And when I was watching the film, I was like, where have I seen this guy before? But I, I wasn't really sure. Then after talking to him, I want to say we did a show in Saley, Arizona at the Navajo College. And there was three MCs there, young guys. Uh, Navajo guys, and I cannot remember their names. Um, they were pretty good. I, I thought they had a, cool styles and, and everything, but it might be him. It might not be him, but, uh, but I, I, I'm, I think it, he was one of those, uh, three brothers, but I don't know. Um, I'm going to reach out to them and, uh, get them on the show and talk to them. Um, they live there, uh, and they, they all live in Flagstaff is where Shirley. So she goes, yeah, just give me a call when you guys uh, make it out that way. So I definitely want to reconnect with them and have them on the show to talk about more. And their dad, Daryl, I want to talk about more of, uh, his hip hop career. <laughs> so that, that's going to be cool. Don't know what it's going to be. Everyone probably after the holidays some, sometime, but, um, I was really, uh, I really liked this one and I'm glad that, uh, she finally got it out. Like, like I said, this is. It was an older documentary that she put together, but she finally got it out there. So, but what'd you think of this one? It was, it was good too. I mean, um, one of the things that I really liked about it was, um, well, our family's, um, our family's medicine man, uh, Steve Darden was the cultural consultant in that. And, um, he was on there talking and it's like, just to see him, you know, uh, uh, supporting the story and, and telling ab about this, about the tradition of, of the long hair that our folks have. I mean, it was, it was really cool to see that, but then to listen to the story and to watch it done. It's, it's one of those things like a lot of our, a lot of our, uh, on the Navajo side, a lot of our stuff is sacred. We don't really talk about it or show it, but to see it told by us, which the only way it should be, you know, not like on fucking national geographic or any shit like that. It's showed by our, our own people talking about how this is done, our traditions are. I thought it was really cool because I never learned how to do that with the hair. And to watch uh, the brothers and the dad do each other's hair, I mean, that's just that's just how it is. And it was cool. And to hear you know, them talk about the hardships they go through, like the older brother was – you know, when I was in high school, people give me shit like, you know, what are you trying to be? Why do you dress up like that? Is this just for Native American Heritage Day? And he's like, nah, I dress like this all the time. You know, this because this is me. This is who I am. Yeah, these, these motherfuckers, not these guys, but the motherfuckers were telling me, what are you, are you being a savage? Is you dressed like a savage? 
I was like, oh, fuck that. Um, me, no. I mean, th- obviously these younger brothers are don't can look the other way. Fuck that. One of the motherfuckers said that to me. All the way, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's me, everyone, in my younger years. Can't do that now. I'm all old and probably get beat up. But well, yeah, man. Older. Yeah, we <laughs> represent. Um, so, but yeah, because I was telling them too, because that I said, it, yeah, you, you guys were dealing with it when, where you guys were living, and I said I was also dealing with it in the in the city, uh, not having my hair in traditional way, but just having long hair. So I was, I was, oh man, but. I really liked what they were what they were saying, and they were really shy, man. I don't know, I don't know what it is, man. A lot of Navajo guys, gals, especially the ones that are, that live on the res, they're like, we try talking to them, they just give you one word answers, yes, no, and they're really shy. I mean, that's just that's just how they are. I mean, Mike and I, we grew up in the city, and we we ain't shy for shit. But um, I I want to see this one again, and I told Renee that uh, she needs to see it, so I'm gonna reach out to Shirley, hopefully. Uh, Send me a screener or something because I want to see this again. I want uh, Eric to see it and uh, Marky as well. But yeah, that was uh, the end of that program. Um, that that's when we went outside and more mingling um, with the uh, with the with the filmmakers and everything. This is when we were talking to Shirley and I was talking to these young guys. But okay, so check um, this out. so this this okay, let me start it off and then <laughs> so I'm I'm sitting there watching this, you know watching him talk with these folks. And I was, I forgot who I was. Oh, I was talking to this one dude. Uh, so after the screening, it was cool. Uh, shout out again to Skin Special for letting me do this. But uh, the moderator gave me the mic and I, I, I said, because I like to do this. Every time I do an event, whether it's a signing or an appearance, I always bring a gift, you know, because show my appreciation. So I brought a bunch of my horror action figure photography prints. And I was, I told people, you know, catch me, catch me in the, uh, in the lobby and catch get me outside, catch me outside. How about that? So, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> to see who was paying, paying attention, I said, Hey, uh, if anybody out there, don't say it now, but catch me and tell me, but if anybody can tell me what my favorite horror movie is, which is mentioned in the film, I was like, then uh, you get a free exclusive print that's signed. So I was out there chilling, gave my prints out, met a lot of people, um, gave away all my shit actually. And then I was talking to this one guy, and then this dude walks up. He's like, hey, I just wanted to say your film was awesome. Your figure photography is awesome. And he's like, and you, you, you know, you done horror movies and stuff? I was like, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm also a horror director. He's like, oh, he's like, I was in a vampire movie in, in, in the 80s. And I, was, I looked at him, and I was like, and he goes, The Lost Boys. And I was like. And my eyes just got big. I was Dwayne, Death by Stereo. It was fucking Billy Worth from The Lost Boys. The one with the long, the sexy one with the long, dark hair. That uh, Miss Sucker. Miss Sucker. Yeah, that dude. He was so cool. He And I was like, dude, he came up to me talking to me about how good my stuff was and wanting to see more of my films. And so we exchanged info and... um. And then I was like, can you wait right here? I was like, this, you know, pointing at Nez, I was like, this dude right here, he sees you, he's going to shit himself. And then <laughs> and Nez turned around for like a quick second. Like all it took was a quick second. He's like, oh shit, hold on. And then he finished up with those Navajo folks and then boom, take it away. Yeah, um, I was talking to, the, to these brothers and their dad. And then 
Mike was behind me. I, 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 my peripherals, I saw him talking to somebody, but I didn't, I think Mike was talking to everyone. So I, I didn't, just didn't pay attention. But when you said my name, I was ready to turn around and go like, fuck, wait a minute. But I, I just turned to look. I was about to raise my hand. I did think I did put my hand up and I was like, yeah. but you were pointing and I looked at him and I immediately knew who he was. He's much older, <laughs> um, gray hair, everything. But I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but I was like, I want to talk to you. Hold on. But I was wanted to finish my conversation uh, with these young brothers. And they looked at me and like, who, who was that? I said, have you seen the Lost Boys? And they were like, yeah, this guy was one of the vampires. And that, they even went, whoa. Even the dad was like, wow. <laughs> so that's when we all, then I was like, hey, and then we all turned our attention to him. And then I was just fucking kissing his ass, telling how much I loved uh, the movie, my all-time favorite vampire film. And just talking about that, talking about War Party and Tales from the fucking Crypt and NCIS or LA Law, whatever the fuck, one of those shows he was on, and and uh, American Gladiators. Um, I was like, fuck. Um, just more starstruck and, and realizing, like, damn, this guy's short. All these vampires were short, man. We could have took them easily, but um, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't fucking believe it, man. I was talking to one of the Lost Boys, and. I, <laughs> I I was I seriously dude I was like fuck man this it going down there just to spend time with Mike and and Ananda and and seeing this film and I knew I was going to meet people cuz I meet people everywhere I go but had no idea I was going to meet someone that just the fucking film is just awesome and the thing the other thing that was kick ass about meeting him and and talking about it I told him I said this is the guy that told me to see that film, The Lost Boys. We went and seen it. He told me, you got to see this movie. It's awesome. And I said, it's because of him that I love this movie so much. And he was like, right on, man. I liked how he talked. He was like, that's that's really cool, bro, man. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of like a Keanu Reeves type of uh, the way he was talking. And he was just fucking cool as fuck, too. He was, he, um, I, I was telling him, I was like, you know that, um, I said that in a lot of movies, like a couple of movies I seen, they they shout out to. He's like, really? I was like, like in Us, at the beginning of Jordan Peele's Us, there in Santa Cruz, around 1985 or something. I said, and then the mom tells the kids, "You guys should go check, go to the boardwalk. Uh, they're filming a movie down there. They need extras. You should go check it out." I said, that was the movie they were talking about. I said, and he goes. Um, he goes, yeah, I guess there's some, uh, some vampire movie on Netflix. He goes with Snoop. He goes, and I think he said, I heard Snoop, uh, sends a shout out to the lost boys. And, and he goes, I hear that there's a, there's, they're doing a remake. He goes, not necessarily like the ones that came after. He goes, well, for one, you know, they can do as many remakes as they want. He goes, cause, uh, I'm one of the originals. I was like, yeah, but, um, he was telling us stories about when they filmed War Party and hanging out with Kevin Dillon and and uh, um, Saginaw Grant and everybody that was involved with that project. But he was just, I mean, for me, it was, it was, I loved it because he came up to talk to me about my film. Like he was all about what I do and 
And then when, you know, he's real humble. Like he ain't the kind of, yeah, I did this. And, you know, he was an I, I, I. He wanted to know about us. He wanted to know about the little the Navajo brothers. He want, he was talking to all of us. Took the time to talk with mm-hmm. everybody. And come to find out that the guy that shot Relentless, the opioid epidemic documentary, that's his friend. They're buddies. They're good friends. So he's the one, Justin, shout out, man. He's the one that told uh, Billy Worth, um, hey, you should come to Skins Fest. But real quick, like the 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 level of, of native celebs we've met at Skins Fest is though like, you know, um, Gene Brave Rock, Gil Birmingham. Um, what's the what's the cast name from uh, uh, Twilight? Uh, the one with Embry? Uh, fucking Ajax. Uh, not Ajax. What the f- Lysol from uh, Blood Quantum. Um, <laughs> the fuck's his name? Dakota. Um, no, that's no. That's, that, um, that kid. Um, the guy, the Jim Chi, that's on Dark Winds. He plays. Uh, he, he got killed by. He got killed by the deer woman in. Uh, uh Res Dogs. Uh. Kiowa Gordon. Kiowa Gordon. Yeah, we met him. A ton of other people. I mean, just going to Skins Fest. He's crashing Skin Fest parties. Yep. But it was cool meeting Billy Worth. And then um, he was going to go. He had to leave. um, But uh, I invited him over for dinner. And he's like, yeah, man, let me check my schedule and I'll hit you up. But he wants to hook up and, like, do lunch sometime, just talk and chill. But he's like, Nez is right. Like, he's like really kind of that Keanu Reeves type. I'm just chilling character. He was, he was really a nice guy. And, um, shoot, man, you, you got to interview him and, and get some Lost Boy stories because, you know, we just got to talk to him for a little bit because we didn't want to keep him. And we had another screening to go to. And, uh, so yeah, on to that one. So then after we, we did that, we went up to, uh, see the, um, the block number two, uh, uh, short films. These ones weren't documentaries. These ones, these next ones were short films. So we, we wa- missed, we missed the first two, uh, yeah. serving shad shade or whatever. And the runner, I think we came in at the end when, no, it was the credits were, were running. The credits were. The, Cause the, when we sat down, uh, the life, uh, the daily life of Mistress Red was on. <laughs> yeah, what was she at? Not not Mistress Red, the the girl in the glasses. Mistress Red is a mockumentary that explores its self empowerment of Native women who is all ready to defeat white supremacy in her own terms. The daily life of Mistress Red is a mockumentary that explores a world of kink, Native women, and defeating white supremacy on its own terms. Taylor is a blogger. Uh, for an indigenous women's website and wants to interview her favorite idol, Marie Collingbird, a native fashion boutique owner by day and her surprise mis- <laughs> and her surprise Mistress Red. Uh, the project focuses on issues within the circle of indigenous women, racism and acceptance of sexuality. The story follows a journey uh, or what sexuality is to indigenous women and what it can do to empower them. All right. Uh, yeah, this young this young sister, she went in there to interview um, Mistress Red. And 
found out that she, well, I'm sure she already knew, but I just probably wrote one. She, she was a dominatrix. And uh, what she was doing was just, other than I find no pleasure in getting the shit beaten out of me uh, and getting whipped by things. But <laughs> what was funny was uh, the guy, her customer, uh, I think it was like some politician or something. He came in, stripped down to his spankies, put on some kind of little harness, and then put on his um, Make America Great hat. And then, <laughs> then she started hitting him. And then it was funny because while they're doing this, she's talking. She goes, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Uh, we're taking our land back uh, one person at a time, <laughs> one white person at a oh, time. <laughs> This is shit weird. It was hella funny. Um, I want to see this again. Uh, two beautiful sisters uh, that 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 um that were acting in this. And shout out to the guy, the, the old white guy. <laughs> he, man, he was a player. He he took his role seriously and did it. Um, but yeah, it it was funny. I, I liked what was going on <laughs> in it. And uh, yeah, you got to read between the lines on, on what they were doing. But they were straight up. With their message in the film, I, I liked it. It was really short; it wasn't very long. What'd you think of this one? I thought it was hella funny because, <laughs> I mean, did, with the with the cutaways where she's talking all serious like a documentary, but then the cutaways were hella funny. It was like she was just talking over what you know what, but the, the visuals were seriously what was going on. Is I thought it was funny, man. When dude put on the the mega hat though, that's that's when I lost it. So I was like, oh, <laughs> so he's representing. The, the the perverse uh, view of um, native women, how they're objectified and sexualized and just kind of seen as throwaways. But then, boom, you know what? We're going to come and whoop you up, fuck you up, get you sprung. You're going to want more. Forget about it. Yeah. yeah some, I mean, this, this seems like they these, these fools come back for it. I mean, they like the abuse. Um, not saying that, that that it's wrong if if that's what you like and that's how you get off cool man go for it but <laughs> I'm not the one <laughs> I don't I don't care I I don't I don't think I could do it <laughs> but uh yeah um this next one man I want to see is it a, is it really going to be a movie or was it just I'm just going to make a trailer uh and this one is there's something outside. Amen. I, Go ahead. I, I think it's going to be a, a full film. I mean, I, I, I hope it is. Yeah. Because it got me, you know, it, it looks scary as hell. It got me hyped. Yeah. And then here there's like, oh, it's just coming soon. It's like, oh, what? Yeah. I was like, what? Because <laughs> this one was hella short. I think it was like a minute, if that. It was like um, about. 30 second trailer as soon as it was over Nez was like what the fuck <laughs> I was like man I wanted more a, a man doing his best to provide a good life for his daughter and wife until one night everything is taken from him in desperation he takes matters into his own hands confronting both uh, the suspect in question for kidnapping his family and the reprised memories of his fragmented upbringing despite his disbelief in the supernatural he encounters an unexplained and is forced to suspend reality so that he may find his loved ones yeah this this seemed like just an action uh supernatural film because there was some 
scary things in it. I don't know. That one thing was creepy with the eyes. Um, yeah. And he would. I mean, he was doing what he had to do for his family. I mean, to 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 get back at him. So, but yeah, th- it was really cool, man. I was like, oh, this is fucking looks awesome. And then it was over because it was just a trailer. I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> I was out, man. But yeah, man, this one got me hyped. So, um, I didn't see the director. Did you or did you talk to him? I don't know who did this one. I I don't know either. I think they just dropped it off and took off. Oh, yeah, but I'll have to look into this one because I want to know if this is the full movie or anything. I mean, but people do just make trailers. I mean, look at all the shit that it was in um, Grindhouse and fucking whatchamacallit turned into a full movie. Uh, Hobo with a shotgun. That was just someone that just made a trailer and made a badass movie. But same thing with Machete. I don't know about Machete Kills, but that first one was good. All right. um, There's this next one, um, I don't know when Homie Love came on. I think it came on before uh, these ones, but uh, I'm just going down this list. Uh, the next one, The Mainland. Um, <laughs> this one was hella good. The Mainland follows uh, aspiring actor. Ooh. Hikaya? I don't know how to say his name. Struggling with this trendy... Uh, Save for a diversity spreading through Hollywood when his small town cousin Kioka unexpectedly visits from Hawaii's, bringing him much needed dose of Ohana and Aloha. Yeah, this this one was awesome. I, I loved it. I, I don't remember the the gentleman that we were talking to. We we met the director as well as uh, one of the other guys that was in the film. The main two dudes that were in it. But yeah, this one um, he one of them was an actor and he was just struggling because he was. Basically getting like typecast and stereotypic, typical bullshit roles, um, wanting him to 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 be Japanese and, and talk with a Japanese accent and, and all this. And one of the ones he went to was, yeah, can you um, they both these guys being from Hawaii. Can you can you talk pigeon? And he did. And but it wasn't. I guess pigeon enough for them. Uh, I don't know because yeah, these guys were talking the the pigeon talk, and there was subtitles. Um, yeah, I was reading the subtitles, but I was I was catching what they were saying because my Hawaiian friends they talk this way, and I would just I would just I love how it sounds, and I just sit there and listen to them and just have a big smile on my face, and I, I what what say that again? What do you mean? Oh, this means that it's it's just like a, another language. And it's fucking awesome. I wouldn't attempt to talk that way because I would sound stupid. But um, it was this one was hella funny. Uh, I loved both. Of, I loved all of it. I want to see this one again. What do you think? I thought it was awesome. It was just as as funny as um, what you would call it as a Friday. I mean, <laughs> this little slice of life with these you know dudes just trying to get his you know get his foot in the door and being you know typecast like. You know, oh, can you uh, can you talk like a Mexican? Can you talk Japanese? Da 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 da. And he was just like, you know, eventually, then boom, he got a role where, or he got an audition where he could just be him, basically. And then it was him. They're like, you're not pigeon enough. And he was like, what? And then he um, he went outside. And his cousin was sitting outside, and <laughs> me and Des were like, man, send your cousin in there because that dude was harsh. He was a little shit talker. 
And um, he just, they sat outside and he just told him, hey man, look, you, uh, I know we gave you shit about moving away from Hawaii to come to LA to be all Hollywood because, but, because he, he came out and he sat down and he's like, man, I'm coming back home. And he's like, you know what though? He's like, you should stay out here because it's your dream. Don't let what I say, you know, our people say, or these fuckers in the audition say, def- don't let them define you. You know, you got to do your own thing. And um, that's just it. You know, he's sitting there smoking the J, telling his telling his, his cousin, hey, man, you guys just keep working. Keep working at it and keep doing it. Don't let nobody define you. And, you know, if they don't like you, if they try to define who you are, fuck them. And the the little side story, the little segues is uh, – Anytime the the main dude would watch YouTube, he's always watching this dude that does jackass shit. Like he goes and steals things. <laughs> like he went to this one lady. He's like, I'm about to steal this dog, and he walks up to this dog and he was like, "Hey, um, can I pet your dog? What kind of dog is this?" And then while she was talking, he took it off the chain and he ran away with the dog. But um, his main thing about watching these is like, look at this this fucker does all this stupid shit, and he gets all these Instagram likes and all these likes and. You know, and I I do my thing and put it up and I don't get nothing. But, you know, at the end, after him and his cousin were done talking, um, he was wearing this this uh, little straw hat. And that dude came by and took it. And they got up, at, you know, that influencer guy came by and took his hat. They got up and uh, he ran and tackled him and was beating the shit out of him while his cousin was filming it. <laughs> and um, after the credits rolled, they showed what his cousin recorded of him beating that dude's ass and I guess his cousin posted it online and all these hearts all these hearts and thumbs up <laughs> were flying up he's like man brother you got like 30 million views the first five minutes but he beat the shit out of that dude and, um, they just like hugged each other and that was the end of the film but that dude, shit was these, funny dude these, they, they were cool because we were talking to them afterwards and they they were talking about one of the scenes um, when they, that guy was stealing stuff um, they they from what I understood from how I took it that they they didn't have permits they were just filming guerrilla style, uh, and I guess when they were filming that when that guy I think it was when they stole the dog, um, people that were like oh, there yeah. thought it was real, and didn't I assume didn't see them across the street filming, <laughs> so they they called the cops and everything and they're like no 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 we're we're filming something. So but <laughs> I thought that was cool. Yeah, talking to those guys, man, they they were hella cool. But yeah, the mainland, I want to see this again. Um, I just it's not. I thought it'd be on YouTube, but that's not. But yeah, check that one out. Uh, just be on the lookout for that one. Yeah, the first the first the one that played the cousin is his name's uh his name's Brandon, and I met him at the uh, at the uh, opening night opening reception at Yahoo. I was sitting here. He was talking with Roger and Steven and he was sitting there. We were talking about action figures and he turned around. He was really cool. And then, yeah, we met the director, Conrad. Uh, uh, how do you say? Lehilihi? Conrad Lehilihi. Um, and then uh, Ryan, who played Kakoa, the main guy that was going to Ryan Basilio. And they were really cool. I mean, <laughs> it was they showed up at the after parties and we we talked with them for a little bit, but that film, I mean, it was funny. The whole crowd was just cracking up. The only thing about it, and it wasn't their fault, only thing about it was it was really loud. Um, the sound was turned, I, I don't know, it was like just some parts I had to plug my ears because it was really, 
the treble was really piercing. But um, all in all, uh, that aside, as far as the filmmaking aesthetic, that shit was bomb. It was funny. It was well shot. It was well paced. And the framing was really, it was it was good. It kept, it kept our interest and kept us laughing all the way through. Yeah. All right. The next one, Closet Nightmares. A 1970s-inspired horror film about three friends haunted by the past. Um, this one was cool. It had the the, the spooky imagery and the. I assume they look, it looked like a summer camp, but I think it was just some bungalows you you rent to spend the night in. Um, some guy dealing with a relationship, uh, being being with another guy, and then also being with a, a female. And it was just kind of like, well, what's happening here? And then they they go to this bungalow somewhere. And, oh, uh, in the beginning, uh, the main guy, he gets, I don't, I don't remember anyone's name in it. He gets a phone call uh, on his answering machine. And it was his, I assume it was his ex-boyfriend uh, saying this and that. I want you back. I love you. This and that. And then you hear a gunshot. So I was like, fuck. So he has to, he wants, he has to go over there to check and find figure out what happened and then he goes over there and then I assume the spirits got him and he disappeared <laughs> but because then his girlfriend was like well where the fuck is he so she goes over there to try to find him and then she gets a flashback or she when she gets to that little bungalow it was just like she gets this vision of everything that happened uh, between her her boyfriend and his his ex-boyfriend uh, and everything, but it was it was one of those little deep thinkers uh, about it. But it was really cool. It wasn't very long. Uh, I think it was like maybe fifteen minutes, if that, ten maybe. Um, but it was cool. What'd you think of this one? I liked it because um, as a as a as a fan of uh, of uh, retro horror movies, like there the one shot that you see right here on the website of her walking the the uh, female lead walking through the door. Like that was my favorite shot. Cause it was like, so Sam Raimi style, um, the angles and the grittiness of the picture and kind of like the, the little amateur type look. Um, I liked it because it, to me it was it. And then after talking with the director, Cam- Camilla de los Santos speed, um, her passion for horror is like the same as how I how I see horror movies. She, and she's young. So it's like, yo, for her to pay homage to, to that era of horror and being so young, it was like, yo man, you, you nailed it because I liked it. It was a little independent feel to it. Uh, just like evil dead was when we first saw evil dead. Um, and I liked it because it was, the story was, was it took some figuring out, but once you figured out what, like we were all wondering who was that little white dude that kept following him around uh, he was the trickster. He was the one that moved the story along. And then um, you actually uh, interpreted, like, I, I was like, okay, what's going on? But then you you uh, said it, you you explained it. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I had a revelation moment, like when I explained Phantasm to you. Um, I and still it was can't good. explain that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was good because um, actually her, her, uh, her mom, Shannon Speed, Dr. Shannon Speed is my wife's uh, my wife's colleague. Uh, they both uh, work at UCLA, and um, her mom runs the American Indian Studies program. She's a director. 
of that. And then it was cool. She was there and then uh, introduced us. Then her daughter, uh, Camilla and I are going to, we're going to, uh, network and, and talk about horror because she has projects coming up and she asked if I would like to be involved in them and was like, yeah, man, I'm just, let me know what you need. And I'm there. So it was a good film, you know, Over, overall, I liked it. I liked all the films so far, you know, and then, and what was the one after this one? Well, the, uh, homie love, I, I can't remember where it was in, in between all these films, but that one was like really short. Um, homie love, don't ruin the moment by being unprepared. See how <laughs> PREP prep and an affordable daily pill can keep you and your partners protected against HIV. Uh, this one was funny. It's uh, uh, Popeye from Blood In, Blood Out. <laughs> Give me some choncho on that guy. Oh, <laughs> he was in it. Um, this little girl, she's at home. Her, her, her brother and his boyfriend or guy she hooked up with um, are in their room and she's listening and she calls her dad to to tell him what's up and then they come barging in and because in the next room the, her brother and uh, boyfriend friend I don't know who it was I think it was just like a hookup uh, came in they were about to get busy and then Popeye comes busting in and, and starts lecturing him not that he's got a guy in his room and all that, and he's about to get his hump on with his little sister in the next room. Uh, he just wanted them to be safe and uh, not get HIV. Um, it was kind of like just a commercial or like a, uh, one of those public service announcements, but it was cool. I liked it. Yeah, me too. Because um, I, I figured that like, oh, shit, his dad's this big cholo, macho ass. Comes walking in the house, where's your brother? And she's the daughter was like, uh, and he's like, oh my God. You know, beat away and all that kind of stuff. And goes and kicks the door open, and the two guys, his son's laying in bed with this dude. And he's like, what did I tell you? And I was like, oh shit, here it comes. He's like, use protection if you're going to be doing this. <laughs> and then, um, I thought it was going to go sideways, but it didn't. <laughs> And then the the, the, the the daughter, the little girl's like, remember, using protection to stop the spread of HIV. And then, boom, it has this little thing at the bottom. You know, use protection and safe sex. Blah, blah, blah. I think that one got the biggest applause. Yeah, it was funny. I liked it. It was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Popeye wasn't there. <laughs> but um, This next one, I really want to get a hold of... Uh, Riker is a six killer. I think that's his, his name, the director, writer. Riker. Uh, Riker. Uh, Chris, that was the name of this one. With his family kidnap, kidnapped, a man forced to commit criminal acts to save them. This one, it also kind of seemed like a trailer because it was moving so fast. But in, in this one, um, Chris, uh, Riker six killer, he um, his family gets kidnapped and like it says here, he's got to be forced to do uh, crimes, kill people or whatever uh, for this crime lord. But then he turns it on him. He ends up beating up and killing the, the guys that are trying to make him do stuff to, to get info to where find out where his family is. And then he gets over there and then uh, all hell breaks loose uh, for him to get his family back. Um 
Riker was on uh, Russ's uh, Oki podcast. That that was the first time I heard his name. Uh, go back and listen uh, to that episode. Um, uh, he's a stunt man as well as an MMA fighter, I believe. And I thought this was really cool. I remember when he first came on the on the screen, I was like, "Where have I seen this guy?" And I was watching and watching, and then once he started, he was doing all his own stunts. He did, did the fight choreography, getting thrown around uh, and crashing into things. And I was like, okay, this is that guy, Riker. And then when the movie was over, I went, ah, okay, it is him. I didn't know he directed it and wrote it, so I, I, I thought that was pretty sweet. But uh, it just looked like a, a regular uh, action drama type films. Um I would like to see this as a full full length feature. I need to get a hold of Riker, see if he come on the show. But um, I like this one a lot. What'd you think of it? I thought it was cool too. Um, little revenge thing, um, or you know, trying to save your family. And is I, I I thought it was cool. It would, was impressed me was that you know with Riker being a stuntman and you know pretty physical, you know, and, uh, getting thrown around. You know, getting thrown around, doing his own stunts. I mean, that's a plus when an actor does their own shit and makes it look real. And um, I really thought it was cool. It was subtle. It was like, uh, uh, it reminded me of this movie I saw a while ago called um, uh, Something Blue. It was by the director of um, uh, Green Room. And... It was about this guy that uh, basically got did wrong and he goes back after the people. But it wasn't like there wasn't like action music and it was just this subtle revenge story. But it was really effective. I mean, I I, it reminded me of that. And it did like it was it, it was funny because like there's the henchman, you know, the main bad guy and the henchman. It's like just some old regular old dudes you see at a powwow. They were just bad and they weren't all like buff and, you know, like how TV makes all these bad, like when there's bad native guys on screen, they make them look all, you know, fucking leather jackets and a bolo tie and boots and hair slicked back. And it wasn't like they were just like regular dudes that you would just see walk up on you and say, hey, bro, you know, you're going to have to do this for you or for us or we can kill your family. You know, it was, and, and it was cool. I mean, I liked it. The stunts were cool. The The action choreography was dope um the punches sound you know didn't sound like shotgun blasts like in rocky um <laughs> i just thought it was really really a cool little flick and I'd, I'd like to see more of it as a matter of fact i i messaged him today because i you know following him on facebook now and told him you know i want more so man that, that was that was cool to watch watch these films and then went out uh what do you, oh, we went to eat. Yeah. After, after this this round, we went we went to eat. Um, they did. Well, we, we didn't get to see the big film of the night, the Lakota Nation versus the United States. They kicked uh, us. They, they booted us out. <laughs> so, but, I guess uh, that's, they needed the big wigs to go in there and watch that one. But yeah. So we went to went to eat and then. Um, Went and hung out for a little bit until it was party time again. Yep. And so me and uh, uh, the three of us, because uh, the wife decided, she was like, I'm going to hang out with you guys tonight. So, All right, cool, let's go. So we went to the Lucky Strike, Hollywood uh, Hollywood Lucky Strikes at Bowling Alley. And it's cool, man, to walk in there and see 
see signs that say like this section closed for private event and you see the skins fest people like yeah man go in so we went in they had they had food they had sliders and uh other kind of little hors d'oeuvre finger food things they had a bar upstairs drinks were free until till midnight and anyway uh we were the first ones there uh, nez went to go to the bathroom and me and my wife went and sat in the big uh VIP, uh, leather VIP couch. We went and sat there and then, um, and I was looking at my phone, you know, we were waiting for people to get there and a uh, young lady comes walking over and she's like, can I sit down? And Nanda was like, yeah. So she sits down next to us and then we start talking and her and Nanda were talking. I went upstairs to get something to drink. I think, oh no, I went to go get some water. I came back and then, um, you know, Nanda was telling her, you know, yeah, my husband, he's a, He's a filmmaker. He had a film there. So she was like, you did the act, this young lady. She's like, you did the action figure film. I was like, yeah. She goes, oh my God, that thing was so amazing. She goes, I loved it. You know, we were talking about, you know, she's like, I, I'm writing a horror movie right now. And, and I'd love, I'd love for us to meet, uh, meet up and talk about it. And I was like, okay, just, I said, let me give you my card. So I gave her my card and on my card, it's, it's my figure photography, uh, business card. And I have a, a, a predator, uh, a predator figure standing on my shoulder. And she looked at the car. She goes, you like predator? I was like, oh, I love predator. And she's like, you know, Billy from predator. I was like, yeah. And she goes, that's my dad. Boom. And her name is Priscilla Landum. She's the daughter of the great legendary badass native actor Sonny Landum who's lockup predator the warrior southern comfort uh best of the best two uh lockup I think I said lockup twice but uh, 48 hours I mean this dude like his daughter was so nice she was so cool and we so we talked and I told her you know my favorite line of her dad's because all of us you know I told her, like all of us native dudes growing up he was like our the first native action star that we've ever, that we've ever saw. It was just kick ass. So then, um, yeah, then everybody started coming in, everybody started partying and we just, you know, we just chilled and watched, uh, watched this one dude come in and rip the dance floor up. <laughs> Props to that dude. That dude was badass. And then, uh, all the other filmmaker homies started coming in, Charlie. Oh, we met, um, I met, uh, uh, his name's Myron Sumner. He's a filmmaker. Uh, I met six years ago at the first Skins Fest I went to. He did a film called, uh, he did a short film called <laughs> Lip Dick OG. <laughs> it, Lip it's, Dick White Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that was like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's what he said. Because <laughs> he said, yeah, look, look it up. And I was like, okay, I I remember limp dick, but I couldn't remember after that. So I just put, I typed in limp dick white boy. <laughs> what's, what's funny is like, dude's native, but he looks like a white dude when you said that. <laughs> no, no, it was like, oh my God, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, it was no disrespect. I, I was, I was fucking tired, but I, I, I I just I heard limp dick and I couldn't remember what he said, but it, it's I mean that film was funny. He he shot it in like two days and submitted it to Skins Fest and boom they picked it up. 
but he, he's a filmmaker and he's he does sketch comedy and he you know he writes a lot and he's a really funny guy loves you know him him and this connected on the wrestling tip because they both love wrestling and um <laughs> yeah that but that because you're like look he's like what's your film called again when you said it like, what's your film called again Olympic white boy <laughs> I, I didn't want I didn't want to laugh I didn't want to disrespect him but I, mean, I, just, I wasn't disrespected I, yeah, yeah, I, I fucking did. couldn't remember what he said <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad though because the look the look he gave me was like yeah no looked, it's Olympic OG or or LD OG kid <laughs> look bad hurt yo. But if you're listening, man, I'm sorry, brother. I, there were, again, no, no disrespect. Yeah. I just thought that's what he said. Yeah. I mean, the shit was the the movie's funny. I I really enjoyed. Oh, it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch. It. I had it saved on YouTube. I want. I want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's fun. Watch it a couple times. And the cinematography, the pacing of the film, Myron, big props to you. That shit was hella good. But um. <laughs> yeah, and then he showed up. He showed up to the after party and uh, and so came and talked with us for a minute. But it, those things are they're fun, but they're kind of hard because you're yelling over music, uh, you're dancing, you know, you're you're you know, a bunch of people are all chilling up at the bar, and then it's like you want to talk to everybody, but then you know it's like we're getting tired. We've been in there. We've been there all day, so. Yeah, we bounced out, said our goodbyes, and uh, it was cool, man. Because like a lot of those those uh, filmmakers came from all over, so and we made good connections, changed, exchanged numbers and stuff. And then so the best part too is like some of those filmmakers are now in, in L.A., so um, we're gonna network on some few things whenever anybody gets times. Everybody's doing stuff, but um, all in all, man, you know. We were driving home. It was like we were still kind of hyped. We were tired but hyped and laughing about what we were just laughing about. And uh, it was cool, man. I personally, I I loved it because you know, because uh, my wife came out with us and she had a good time. She was dancing and talking with everybody. And then, um, oh yeah, uh, Priscilla Landum came up to us when we were about to leave and and shook our hands. And she, I don't know what she said to me. She's like. I really love that. She goes, thank you so much for being a big fan of my dad's. Cause we were like, man, condolences, you know, cause Sonny Landon, rest in peace. Like he, you know, he passed away, you know, he, he, he ran, tried to run for governor of Minnesota, but I mean, it was just to, to, to see him, to see his acting and him as an artist is like much props, man. I mean, he, he inspired a lot of us. He was a complete badass on and off the set. Like she told me, you know, having a dad like that, it really hurt my dating life. I was like, shit, I bet, you know, and then she was like, and also a lot of guys got intimidated because, you know, my dad taught me how to take care of myself. I'm like, well, shit. I mean, you, you look like your dad, so you have the, those eyes. So That smile. That she, smile. Looked, she looked exactly like her dad. <laughs> yeah. And she was just really a sweetheart, and she was really cool, and I can't wait to to talk with her again because she's an, she's an actor. She's a, a screenwriter and a filmmaker and she wants to get into horror. So, but yeah, man, it was, uh, it was really cool. I mean, 
for me also to talk with uh, Patricia Gomez uh, and Ian Ian Scoridan Scoridan. I'm pronouncing that right, brother. I hope that I am. But to talk to them, they're both the directors of the of Skins Fest. To talk with them and been the ear about some some things that I thought you know would be cool with with the and for them to listen to me, you know that's cool because they. It, I always get intimidated as an artist to talk to people that are in charge of stuff because it's like you don't know how they're going to view you. Like some of these, one in particular, we won't mention their name, but really kind of arrogant, full of themselves and look down on you. Like, why are you talking to me? You shouldn't even be standing near me. And it's like, you know what, then uh, fuck you. I'll go somewhere else. And which I did and, you know, um, pitched an idea and then boom, you know, because you, you haven't watched the Tulsa King yet, but one of the best quotes in there is the answer is always no until you ask. So, I kept thinking of that and I was like, you know what? Now's my time to to talk to some folks here and the respect, the level of respect, because I've um this is my third film that's been in their festival. And um they really like what I'm doing because, you know, I have a good I have good first voice narratives, tell good stories, I guess, um, according to them. But the respect that they showed me when I was talking with them about um, an idea I had, it was really, you know, hope it works out. I won't mention what it is, but I hope it works out for everybody. But man, if, you know, if you're, if you were at skins fest and you participated and you're listening to the Magnez podcast, I, I salute all you filmmakers, you know, that were there, especially if it was your first time being at skins fest, welcome to the, to the family. Cause it just gets better from here. Like this was the first year I was, I felt relaxed. I was able to, to, to rub shoulders with people and feel confident that, yeah, I'm a filmmaker without being arrogant and just talking about projects coming up. And, um, and what felt comfortable about that is like, it's a cautionary tale to be an artist, especially a filmmaker here in LA. Cause you never want to talk about your shit in public. You never know who's listening because there are snakes, man. What, what did Flavor Flav call them? The spirit snipers? They're all out there, like, listening. Everybody's listening. And then, boom, they'll steal your idea in a minute. So, but talking with these folks, it's like, you know, you, you we all trust each other. We all tell different stories, but with the same heart. And I think that was the best part about about being at the fest, this festival is, is seeing everybody's ideas, seeing their passion, their visions their interpretations of, of traditional stories in different forms, animation, live action, documentary. I mean, it was just all in all, all in all, the, the best. I stand by this and I'll fight anybody that debates me. The, the best native film festival in the United States, LA Skins Fest. Yeah, I, I, I fucking had a good time. This is the first time that I've gone. I mean, I, I went when we crashed the party and everything, but. Now to go watch the films and uh, meet the people that were behind the scenes that were running it, uh, talking to these directors and writers and actors and everything. Uh, yeah, Priscilla, awesome. She was cool talking to her. Uh, she kind of leaned into me before she left, and hey, it was nice meeting you and all that. And I was like, hey, right on. I mean, I'm a big fan of your dad's. Um, I shared his films uh, with my kids, and I had mentioned, I said, yeah, we just covered um, Lockup on this uh, action podcast that I was on. She was like, oh, really cool. And she goes, hey, if you ever cover any more of my dad's films, let me know. I'll come on. And I was like, fuck. I was like, fuck yeah. 
So, um, I don't know. We'll have to figure out the fuck. <laughs> the hell is this? That's how I felt. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, she was hella cool. I was glad that uh, I got to talk to her. Um, ran into a bear from Res Dogs really yeah. quick. And uh, his girlfriend, uh, that model gal. Who, what the heck's her name? Starts with a Q. Um uh, man, I can't remember her name. Uh, was it Kuana? I think that's her name. Chasing Horse? I think that's her name. Uh, and uh, Def- is his name Defora? I can never re- pronounce his name either. <laughs> but uh, they were really cool. Just talking to them for a second. And I got a picture with them. And yeah, Charlie was hella fucking funny. And just everybody that I didn't know that I met was, it was awesome. I had an amazing time. Glad Mike invited me to come down to it. And uh, I want to go again. Renee was, she was kind of bummed. She goes, I want to go. I want to see all this. She she loves uh, going to film festivals and watching everything. So yeah, bring, her, bring her next year. Even if, even if I'm not in, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going. Yeah, I want to go again. <laughs> So, but yeah, it was awesome time. I loved it. Every minute of it, it was fun. Uh, walking around Hollywood, like I said, it's a little scummy, but hey, it's Hollywood. <laughs> so, but we saw Godzilla star. Yeah. Um, my girl, Winona Ryder, saw her star and uh, stepped on a dumbass motherfucker. I was fucking the country. I stepped on his star <laughs> and all that. So, but. It was cool, man. I had a fucking blast, and and it was awesome. Can't wait to to do it again next year. But oh, and a quick shout out to Chunky Spider Man. Yeah, and uh, and Darth Vader and, and everyone else, and um, uh, the one little fat cat woman <laughs> that was walking around. I mean, props to you, girlfriend. Do you oh, think? And, and uh, shout out to uh to Magnez's son, my nephew Marky, for pointing out these nuts. <laughs> God damn, that was four years ago. We were in up in Hollywood cruising it. <laughs> and look, he, was, he was like, There's these nuts. And we were like, What? I just remember looking out the window and there he was. I was like, Fuck, he was just coming out of a bar. <laughs> the first thing he saw was the teeth. If you if you ain't familiar with that, just just uh, YouTube these uh, nuts D E E E Z nuts. Just watch that. And that dude, that dude, that dude became an internet sensation overnight. And we saw him. Marky saw him. Hey, look, there's these nuts. I can't remember his name. I follow him on 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 TikTok. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I want to say it's something like Wellen or something like that. But yeah, I mean he, he's. He's riding these D's nuts into the ground. <laughs> Good for him. That's how everybody knows him. And he's out there uh, doing this thing. And uh, yeah, all you filmmakers, all you writers, if you feel like, oh, my stuff's not good enough. I mean, you, you, you're you never going to feel that your your work is good enough. I mean, I sometimes I feel like oh, my show sucks, but people listen to it. Um don't discourage yourself, man. Just put it out there. If you put it out on YouTube or just pass it around your friends, Facebook, whatever, the media is there. I mean, th- when we were growing up doing our things out there, there was no social media. There was no internet. 
Now you can put everything out there. Be a musicians, man. Everyone's, oh, I need a, I need to get a record label. I need a record contract. No, you don't. Put it out oh. yourself and get your name out there. Before, yeah. if, if the record companies want it, then the record companies come. But nah, do it, do it yourself. Do do it yourself. Do your stuff. Put your stuff out there. Put your artwork out there. Everything. Do what you got to do. It's easy for me to say because all I'm doing is this. But hey, I, this is all I got time for. Man, I got grandkids and work and all that shit. Uh, that I got to do. But, I mean, just do it. Be yourself. Be strong. Put your stuff out there. Guys, gals, moms, dad, grandmas, cousins, aunties, uncles, everybody. But just put it out there. I mean, you're going to get haters. Man, we got haters this weekend. Fuck that motherfucker. I don't give a fuck who you are, bitch. Say it to our face and see what happens. I don't care how old you are. like, like, Like my boy Roger said, you know, my boy Roger Boyer, shout out to Roger, man. Like Roger said, look around. Is he here? Yeah. He's, he's hating on us because we're here. You know, where's he at? Like the great Bernie Mac said in House Party 3, Uncle Vester. <laughs> he's like, boy, be yourself. And if people don't like you for being yourself, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah. yeah, word. Like that, man. Do, do you. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Stay away from drugs. You can drink alcohol, drink smartly. Don't be stupid. Don't go overboard. Take care of your health. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Man. <laughs> good advice. <laughs> and like a uh, homie love, man, which, protect yourself. Watch out for HIV. I mean, it's still there, man. People think, oh, it, just, it ain't gone. Oh. It's, it's out there. Everything is out there. But just oh. just be safe wow. out there. And, and don't hurt people. I mean, the... Some fuck went in and shot up. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I, I just hate all these. I'm not saying anything bad about guns. It's not the guns. It's the, the stupid motherfuckers with guns is, is the issue. But what What is steel compared to the hand that wields it? Yep. But that fucker got beat down by some drag queens. Until the good. Police, good. Good. They whoop his fucking ass. Yep. Should have fucking... I don't want to get into it, man. But yeah, man, shout out to uh, everybody that was affected by uh, the gun violence, any kind of gun violence or any kind of violence. I mean, just be strong. I always say this at the end of these shows. It's a crazy world and we all got to live in it. But let's take care of each other. Let's let's not be haters. Let's let's not be haters. Yeah, I hate on shit, too, but I'm not a big hater. I'm not when I'm, I'm not fucking fucking. You guys don't look Indian. Fuck you, bitch. You don't. Uh, we're talking about some dude online. <laughs> so, but hey, man, we are who we are. If you don't like it, like Bernie Mac said, fuck them. It so, was <laughs> first my first cancellation of somebody. Hey, man, look, you, you fuck with the bull, you get the horns. But man, when I was on stage, real quick, I was waiting for your question. What did you say? When you get up there, I'll be like, man, why the fuck are you playing with toys? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that question. I would have been did, like, they, oh. did they even go to the audience for questions? Yeah, we had one. Oh, Steve, okay. Even was the one that asked, like, how much, what was your budget? Oh, zero. It's <laughs> like, hey, well, 3000 you know, 4000 I was like, nothing. I have Same all the toys. And I, I had all my shit, so. Same yeah. thing with the... um. Why do uh, Navajo women have long hair? 
Yeah, she was like, nothing. I did it all myself. <laughs> I yeah. edited it, filmed it, all that. Cool. Good. Right on. If you yes. do it, um, if you, how much does this show cost to run? I don't know. $10 a month. <laughs> I know that, but I don't know how much I've spent within the past six, seven years. You guys do the math, but. Oh, <sighs> real quick before you, before you uh, go, I, uh, Nez and I got, I don't know if you mentioned it before, but you got to fucking watch a Christmas story Christmas. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you are, if you are a true blood fan, word for word, know it fan of a Christmas story, you have to watch this one. This a, Chris, a Christmas story, Christmas on HBO max. It's a it HBO max original. I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But my, Hey, let's watch it. All right. Fuck it. We'll just kill some time. That movie was fucking good. It was hella good. And it was funny. <laughs> Uh, funny, uh, sad. Yeah, it was, man. It kicks you in the guts right in the get-go. But it was good. I mean, to see uh, Ralphie and the gang all come back, all the original actors, uh, minus the mom and, and, and the dad, uh, rest in peace. Um, it was cool. I mean, it was funny. Flick, Schwartz, uh, Grover Dill, uh, what's his nuts, Scott Farkas. Uh, <laughs> everybody showed up. And a, and a new a new character, yeah. That, that dude, it's it because you when you see sequels, like from nostalgia, and they bring new people, and it's like, oh, who's this Yahoo? Man, this dude was hella funny. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I think we saw him at the film festival. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. man. It's, if you do a show on that, uh, I want to I want to be on there with you to talk about. Uh, that. We're gonna uh, next month, everyone. We're doing uh, twelve random days of Christmas. And uh, we're going to be covering Howard because that movie was hella funny. So watch um, it. Watch it because we're going to probably spoil the shit out of yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So everyone, uh, giving you now, you got November, the rest of November uh, to watch it. So, but uh, with that, everyone, just um, uh, go over to the regular network. Well, you're obviously at the regular network if you're hearing this. Uh, listen to everything on there. I'll go, go check out. Uh, the Magnus podcast episode 137. Uh, shout out to uh, Taven and uh, Shannon Black, a uh, bark. I'm sorry. Um, uh, quick little interview with uh, that young brother. Uh, listen to everything here on the network. Going over to Anchor and listen to all our stuff over there. Uh, going to YouTube. Uh, follow us on there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, East Society Pod, at Magnus Pod. At the Zisu, at Theo Zisu, Instagram, East Society Podcast. Still trying to figure that shit out. Um, at the Zisu, at MacNez Pod. Follow uh, Taylor and I's Blu ray pages at Blu ray Nez, at Blu ray Taylor. Follow us on TikTok, East Society Pod. Uh, go on over to T Public and get a East Society or MacNez t shirt. Shout out to Mike for designing the two classic uh, designs. And shout out to Robin Jackson for. Uh, Giving us the uh, the NWO ESP um, tribute, um, and also listen. To, uh, go over to uh, shout out to Mixlaw Beat Productions for the intro and outro music. Just go into www.mixlawproduction.com for everything you need over there, uh, beats and what have you. Uh, thank you so much for letting us uh, use uh, your music in the beginnings of our shows for the past few years, but. Um, Mike, let everyone know where they can get a hold of you. You guys can follow my action figure photography on Instagram at the Boneyard Collectibles. 
You can follow my music uh, or my movie stuff on Instagram at Real Talk Junkies Films. Um, you can follow my artwork at MJ Marin Art. That's MJ M A R I N A R T on Instagram. And my T-shirt business is Red Gear Productions. You can follow that on Instagram at Red Gear ninety six. That's R E D G E A R nine six. If you want to just uh, send, uh, see what else I do on Facebook, hit me up at, on Facebook at uh, Mike J Marin, M I K E J M A R I N. That's where you. Um, that's where you get. You want to get a hold of me, Mike J Marin at Gmail. Yep. If you want to send us money, send cash. But <laughs> with, with that, everyone, um, be safe out there. Come back next week for more of the Zisu. We'll be back and we'll talk about this and that and some other movie he was trying to get me to watch. And also, hopefully, I can make it out sometime to see Wakanda forever. I don't know. But uh, it is a holiday week. Um, all right. Quick little shout out. If you're going to be traveling in the airlines and everything, pack responsibly. Don't jam all your stuff into one bag because depending on how old your bag is or who makes it, 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 those things bust open and it's, it sucks. Sucks for you. It sucks for me. So just uh, pack responsibly and don't put things in there that'll break (laughs) because it's going to be a a rough uh, flying week. Everyone's going to try to get home uh, for the holidays. Uh, if you celebrate Thanksgiving or Harvest or whatever they're calling it now, um, just spend time with your family. I don't celebrate genocidal holidays because I'll be at work all day. Um, eat the food. Yeah, but I'm still going to eat my middle finger up. Shout out to that little kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but with that, everyone. Wait, hold on real quick. Real quick. Got to send. Shout out. An RIP to the Green Ranger who became the White Ranger. What was his name? John David Frank? I thought it was Jason. Jason? Jason? Was it? I forgot his name already. Hold on. We'll get it. We don't want to uh, leave it. I want to say Jason. Yeah, Jason David Frank. Yep. Jason yeah. David. And rest in peace. Yeah, Thank you man. for uh, everything you did for, uh, for well, we watch it sometimes, but our nephews. Uh, Marky. Marky, he, he was a huge uh, Power Ranger fan. And uh, all, all some of my other friends. But yeah, it was it was sad to hear this, the, the passing of the Green Ranger. So, heart goes out to him and his family. I don't know what he was dealing with uh, in his personal life, but it's... If you, if you need help... Please reach out and get help. I, mean, I know there's times where you think that yep. no one can listen to you. No one understands how you feel. If you just want to talk, I mean, there's someone that will listen to you. I mean, the Zisu and I have said that before. If you need to talk, reach reach out to us. Yep. We can talk. We can listen. Yep. Um, I can tell you how I feel sometimes. If you guys listen to the show, I've always talked about it. Of course. I mean, we're all dealing with some kind of depression in one way or another. But um, 
uh, people have reached out to us and said that our show helps you no matter how much I bitch and complain about this and that. But again, the ZC was the the voice of reason. I'm the one that just old man grouchy and bitches and about everything. But um, if that helps you to to laugh and put a smile on your face, thank you so much for listening to the show. But it, seriously, if you if you need help and you again you need to talk, you can't talk to your family, can't talk to your girlfriend, boyfriend, what have you. And you want to talk to someone you don't know, strip perfect stranger, reach out to me. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you, Mike. Zisu, yep. me, we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll help you through what you're going through because we feel your pain. We love you. We respect you. We want you to come back, listen to the show. We want you to wake up tomorrow and live your life. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself, everyone. Yep. Doing the best that we can do to take care of ourselves. But, and a hard time been invented that you cannot handle. Yep. Um, I saw a quick little quote. Uh, Those of you in the Bay Area will get it. Uh, Some of you might not. Um, There was a quote. If Eastmont Mall ain't giving up yet, then neither should you. (laughs) With that, everyone, uh, be safe out there. We'll see you guys next week. So until then, party on.